A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Connecting to the big show. Three, two, one. We're the only country that comes up with a name for fun. Crack. It's blackguarding. It's scutting. It's no harm. 55 euros straight out of my account. So they have my money and I have no test. Bad time for all these people and it's always a good hearted person to change them. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96FM. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM. Very nice morning, but more grotty stuff due later on. Last night was horrible. I mean, absolutely horrible. I went to throw the cat out, as you do. And if cats could swear, my ears would be burning the way she looked at me and just kind of said... If you think I'm going out in that I know Good morning to you 0818 96 96 96 The number The text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 And the email is Opinion at 96fm.ie A subject that has cropped up more than once In the last number of months On the opinion line Is how we seem to have gotten More angry After COVID, and it's something I want to explore on our first topic of conversation this morning. You might have been watching Primetime. If not, I'd refresh your memory in just a moment. But it reported, a very good report, on the wave of harassment and abuse and shoplifting that's happening around the country. In supermarkets, big shops, small shops, garages, mobile phone shops, vape shops, you name it. There's a huge spate of not just shoplifting, but the most vile abuse, often racist-based abuse, of shop workers. Threatening behaviour. Uh, we heard from people here in the city only in the last few weeks about incidents they were witnessing. And uh, the Lord Mayor, Councillor Deirdre Ford, has been campaigning to get the Garda Commissioner Drew Harris to come to town to address crime levels here and also to maybe tighten up on knife crime before she's out of office in June. So it was in the context of all of that, I was very interested to see this coming up last night on prime time. There was a word or a phrase used that you couldn't use a couple of years ago. You would be killed for using it a couple of years ago. Feral gangs. Feral being wild. But feral is now what some of the behaviour clearly is. Here's a clip from the RTE Primetime. This features a couple of voices. Elaine Brennan, 
who runs a Circle K shop, Sheila Clark, who has her own shop, and Tara Buckley from the retail group RG Data. Here's some of their contributions last night on RTE Primetime. We would have members who have people who have robbed their shop 20, 30 times, maybe started off just robbing the store, then start robbing it with a, a weapon, a gun, a knife, baseball bats, syringes. They get verbally abusive, and these are just national school kids you're talking mm-hmm. about. You're not talking about teenagers. I heard the word feral used, and I have to say it, it, is, it, it doesn't encapsulate their attitude because, again, they just... They are not bound, I suppose, or feel that they're not bound by um, social norms. There's no repercussions for them. Mm. So I don't feel like they have to comply at all. We looked at, we've been through a global pandemic, the war, the housing prices, cost of living. It's a lot of pressure on people and a lot of stress. So people's behaviour, it will change. It'll be after six o'clock in the evening, that's when you will see the spike. But it can happen at 6 o'clock in the morning, it can happen at 9 o'clock in the morning, um, depending on levels of abuse. I've witnessed staff members being verbally abused, racially abused and physically abused. Um, a small portion of our business would be 24-7. And at you know, late stages of the night, we would get people in intoxicated. This would bring on aggressive behaviour, which leads to foul language, shouting, and unfortunately, sometimes they will put their hands on their colleagues. But this behaviour, it's not acceptable. And um, as a business that prides itself on excellent customer service, we must also state that the customer is not always right, and there is a line that shouldn't be crossed. That's a good point. The customer is not always right. That's uh, Elaine Brennan of the Circle K Group speaking as part of a package on RT's primetime last night. It also featured that package. Shane Gleeson, who runs a number of uh, spa shops, quite a large business you have, Shane. And you say that, you said, petty crime is costing up to 80 grand a year. Good morning. Good morning to you. Yeah, it's, um, we find it hard when it's described as petty crime because to us it's anything but, uh, as you can imagine, 80 grand to us is an awful lot of money. Um, and especially with electricity bills, etc. Uh, petty crime amounts to an awful lot over the course of a year. Yeah, and it's almost at a point now, I got the impression from watching that piece last night, it's not even worth calling the guards now. Not because the guards won't come, but because there's absolutely no follow-up. There's no punishment. Yeah, the, we, we would have four to five incidences a day, generally in our city centre shops, um, it's pointless reporting it to a large degree because you're only going to tie the guards down for the day. You're tying yourself down for the day. Uh, you'd wind up getting no work done at all. Uh, the reality is they go up to court and, and we find the guards very good to follow up stuff, but they go up to court and there's no effective punishment. Uh, currently in Limerick, and I don't know what it's like in Cork, we have a large issue with uh, gangs of youths that are under 16. Uh, they know that the law can't do anything with them. Yeah. Um, and they, some of these guys are arrested eight, nine times a day and released immediately. Yeah. Um, and they, like we're watching over the course of years and there's a progression from shoplifting, um, harassment of staff to drug dealing. And then eventually, you know, they wind up going to jail. Uh, and I've just seen the thing over the years and it's just, it's a nonstop progression and uh, I think something should be done about it to stop us, nip it in the bud. You, you've been in business for some time, Shane. I made the point introducing this, and we've discussed it on the programme more than once. Has a new 
aggression or anger emerged since lockdown? Absolutely. Uh, we found since COVID, there's a big increase in aggressive antisocial behaviour. Often it's not even stealing. They want to come in, they want to create a row. Uh, they're getting a, a, some kind of perverse pleasure from creating a row. Uh, they're coming in intimidating people who are working hard. Um, they might catch somebody at the end of an eight-hour shift and they just want to have a row. Often they want to video it themselves and then they want to post it up on the internet showing how great they are. Uh, some of them come in, they might want to video it for half an hour, they just won't go. And they're hoping you'll say something inappropriate so they can then post it on the internet. Uh, and it's just pure intimidation. And, you know, staff working in a normal business, a normal working day, shouldn't have to deal with this, really. You've been threatened yourself on more than one occasion, and so has your son. I have. My son was chased uh, up and down the streets with a fellow trying to put a needle into him um, because we wouldn't let him steal. Uh, now, the young man was dealt with and he got a six-year jail sentence. Good so the, the guardie were fantastic. Uh, the courts were fantastic. Everything worked like it should. Uh, but still, my son thinks about that incident every single day. The defects of that are, are long-standing. Uh, we've had bottles, we've had knives, etc. Uh, but I think pretty much every shop in any urban area in the country has had the same. Yeah. Have you been told, I'll follow you home, I know where you live, I'll burn you out? I have actually been followed home and they, they quite a few of the, the certain people in town would know where I live. Uh, they would drive by, blow the horn at inappropriate hours, park up outside the house maybe for an hour. Um, that's not terribly unusual. Shane, you're a shopkeeper. You own a couple of shops. What's what driving that, do you think? Uh, the fact that they can do it and that there's no consequences. And there are no consequences, really, most of the time. Uh, the antisocial behaviour we're seeing has no consequences. So if they come in, they might uh, say inappropriate things to some of the female staff. They could be racist. They could... And it's not even that they're actually racist. I think they're they're just doing it for their jollies. They're, they want to get the pleasure of intimidating somebody. Uh, and then they go off walking down the street like, they've, um, like they're six feet tall. This is mostly you know, teenagers. It's, it's mostly teenagers. Uh, we have a number of older people that do it as well. Now, it is a tiny, tiny minority. Um, like even in talking to our own staff, we would have maybe two and a half, three thousand customers a day we'd have maybe five people in total that would cause us this trouble every day. So it is a tiny, tiny minority. But it's it's five too many and you wonder where, and it's the same crowd coming in. The other thing that is, you see it all over social media, videos of people going about their work being intimidated. Yeah. Personally, I think that if if you're videoing somebody in their place of work, their place of business, uh, I think that should be a specific crime um, I don't think like it's clearly intimidation and that's its sole purpose um, and if you're doing your normal job why is it okay to come in and video you uh, and I don't think it is but it, it's not dealt with as a crime currently mm. I mean I, yeah, I know I, you I, have CCTV the, you would have mm, CCTV mm, in all of your shops mm-hmm. am, am I right in saying mm. that as a business owner your staff for example are entitled to know where every camera is they're entitled to know when they're on camera, your customers, you have to oh, inform them. You're on. But some, mm. some, this gobdaw walks in off the street shouting and roaring with a, with a video on his phone. And before you know it, it's all over social media. He's painted it to make him the victim. And you can do nothing about it. 
Exactly, exactly. Uh, and that's happened as late as last month. Uh, we had a, a man who's out of jail a short while. He's uh, late 20s. Uh, he spent half an hour harassing the staff. Uh, my son got to the premises, uh, was trying to escort him out. And it was just nonstop abuse for 30 minutes. And then he cut a clip of 30 seconds where my son might have been slightly inappropriate and posted that all over the social media to make him look the, the victim. Yeah. Now, if you look at the whole 30 minutes, you can see the context of everything and you can see what an awful period it was for my staff. Um, and the same fellow then has waited outside the shop uh, six, seven days in a row to harass my son and myself again and the female staff that he was abusing behind the deli. Um, and he, he just seems to get a kick out of it. He, he's not even trying to gain anything monetarily. He, he just He's enjoying the intimidation. Uh, and yet there's nothing we can do about it. Do you have security uh, on the I door? And I don't think that's okay. Um, no. The, if you put security on the door, you may as well close the shop because any margin you would make would be gone. Um, yeah. So the reality is myself and my son are the security. Uh, and we're able to deal with 99% of things. And what we're not able to deal with, we normally ring the guardie. And we're only a couple of hundred yards from the station. So I have to say the response has always been excellent. Yeah. Uh, and we get great support from the guardie. Yeah, um, but still, you're you're going in to do a day's work. You shouldn't have to deal with this. No, you shouldn't. And like you said, they'll come if you want them. They'll do everything you ask yeah. of them. But at the end of the day, they go into the courts, and it's quite rarely that anything happens. I'm just in front of me here, Shane. I have a photograph or a, an article, rather, from today's Irish Examiner, and I kind of said, well, well done that judge, a drunken man who called a shop assistant an effing bitch and spat at Gardaí as the city centre street was packed with Christmas shoppers, has now been jailed for four months. That's all too rare. It did happen here in Cork. I, I haven't seen that happen in Limerick. Uh, I haven't heard of it happening elsewhere. I think that's the first time I've heard of that actually happening. Uh, and I think if the judges could do that... Um, you might cut down on this quite quickly. Uh, they, like The numbers of people who behave like this in Limerick City are probably less than 20 in the whole city. Yeah. But the same 20 go around and plague everybody. Yeah. Uh, everybody gets a turn from them. Um, if you could put two or three of them away, that would make a big difference. We, we saw it with the drug gangs in Limerick. When they put away the big boys, the, the people below them uh, retreated into their shells. Yeah. And, and it improved the quality of life for everybody. So I think these people that are being so antisocial need to go away as well. Um, and then the others that aren't quite as bad might pull back from it. Yeah. Come back lastly to where I was a while ago with regard to the way it's gotten worse during COVID. Have you or any of your colleagues in the trade, as it were, I'm sure you speak about this all the time, that pattern is out there. It's gotten worse post-COVID, post-lockdown. Is there any explanation why? Or does anyone know why? Uh, I don't know why. I don't. I, I, maybe there was examples on the TV of people being abusive and uh, it's a bit of a copycat situation. And if they see people on TV getting away with it, maybe they copy them. But I'm only guessing. I don't know the real answer. Yeah. Um, you need somebody above my pay grade to look at it to figure probably. that one out, I think. And lastly, and I don't know if it's even legal to do it, so it probably isn't. Supposing mm-hmm. you or your son, who managed the shops, or mm-hmm. one of your shop managers, took physical action against any of these individuals. Am I right in saying it's you are the bad guy then? Because you're the one who ends up in court. You are portrayed as the bad guy. Um, 
we, we've had situations exactly like that. I've had a fellow come in, abuse all the staff, be nasty, uh, just throw his weight around. This was going on for some time. We escorted him off the premises, told him not to come back. And uh, next thing I get a defamation claim in from a local solicitor who operates in that kind of uh, mix. So I'm being sued uh, for defamation by this individual who's really just a bully, has bullied my staff for over a year. We've put him out of the shop and now we're the bad guys. And by the way, this guy has been to prison as well. Yeah. So suddenly I have to spend weeks and weeks and weeks preparing for a case um, that really is a nothing case, uh, but it's it's taken me away from my business. It's causing me stress. And you're looking at saying, saying to yourself, why is this happening? This isn't okay. Why, why is the solicitor cooperating in this behavior? And effectively, the solicitor is cooperating in the intimidation. Now, I know they don't look at it like that, but from my perspective, that's exactly what it is. Shane, good speaking to you. That's Shane Gleeson, who has uh, five spar shops. They're around Limerick, but he was on prime time last night. I want to explore it locally as well, which I will in just a sec. But Kate says, in Northern Ireland, the police circulate pictures of known perps to shopkeepers. I think they should do that here too. It would help. I had business in City Hall. I saw women shouting at the staff at the housing counter, screaming their lungs out. I said to one of the workers, that was terrible when you just tried to do your job. And she said, look, they even jumped the counter sometimes. Let's explore that question a bit more, though. Is there more aggression out there since lockdown? Now, I'm not blaming lockdown if there is more aggression. I'm just wondering, is there more aggression out there since lockdown? And there's another point that Shane makes, and I explore it further locally in just a sec. It's teenagers. It's youngsters, 14, 15, 16. Where are their parents? Why aren't they in school? Why are there... If you are 14 and you are making trouble in your local shop, then I would hold your parents responsible for that. And I'm sorry, that sounds terribly right-wing and terribly old-fashioned. I don't care. If you are a 14 or 15-year-old scut terrorising someone in the local spar over the price of a bottle of Coke, or racially abusing some poor girl just going about her job in a coffee shop. If you're 14, I'm going after your parents if I can't go after you. That's my side of, of, of things. I don't know how anybody else feels. I, I love that story, though, and I'm delighted it was. Done in the court, Judge Olin Kelleher, um, jailed if a man called James Conway. Conway, he's 48, uh, from Old Farmhouse, carried Defy in Cove, sentenced to four months on public order charges. December 15th last, he was, Gaddy were alerted to a disturbance in Centra on Oliver Plunkett Street. Gaddy arrived, met the man. He was abusing staff, refusing to pay for anything. He left the shop and then continued the abuse out in the street, calling one shop assistant an effing bitch. Highly drunk, unsteady on his feet, speech slurred, all that. Gardy arrested him. He resisted arrest, hit out at Gardy, spat at one of the Gardy, had to be restrained. The court was told. Albrook Street packed with Christmas shoppers at the time. He resisted arrest. He, he pleaded guilty to that. He engaged in threatening behaviour and he pleaded guilty to that. Being drunk and a danger, he twenty-two previous drunkenness conviction, etc., 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 and he was jailed for four months. 
More please. 
Individuals like that and juveniles are the ones that are the main problem. We have a, a certain cohort of, of a gang, a teenage gang, um, who are in the city in the evening time. There's about seven or eight of them. I had a robbery in my Oliver Plunkett Street store a couple of weeks back where they literally just walked in, walked behind the counter and stole 200 euros worth of these um, disposable vapes. They then put them up online and sell them on Facebook and stuff like that. So it is it is what it is. But what I have taken, the measures that we have taken, myself and my brother, is that we've we've introduced having security um, in the evening time and actually in the afternoon in, in one of the stores from 2 o'clock, the other store 4 o'clock, the other store 6 o'clock. And, um, you know, that's a cost of up to 90 to 100,000 euros a year. But I suppose Shane has lost, is losing 90 to 100,000 in stock loss and we're not at, at the same time, you know. Yeah. Same question as I put to, to Shane, and it's an observation. Did it get worse post-COVID? Did something change during lockdown? Did it get worse? I think it has, but it's not necessarily down to COVID. The big problem is that we're down numbers in Gardaí. There's been a load of resignations and uh, and the usual amount of retirements and the, the the process of getting the new guards through Templemore is just not happening fast enough. Yeah. And I'm, in, in the Cork Business Association, we've written to Drew Harris, we've written to Simon Harris, the Minister for Justice. We were writing to all, in the pro- process of writing to all local Cork City councillors. We've got to bang this drum to get more Gardaí on the streets in Cork and try to get the Gardaí out of administrative duties. We're talking to them all the time and they're stuck behind desks doing, um, you know, paperwork when they could be out on the beat. And they want to be out on the beat. That's yeah. what they're telling us. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I noticed, all right, that um, Chief Super Myers was talking at the Joint Policing Committee meeting the other day. And as, as I reported yesterday, I commented yesterday at least, I know Tom. He's a man who is careful about his words and he was very open at the JPC about just how short they are by day and just how slow it is to get people out of Templemore. Now, when you've got the chief super for such a massive district saying that at a public meeting in a public forum, we we are at a point where senior management are now looking up the line and going, Mr. Harris, Commissioner Harris, can we sort this out? They absolutely are, and I, I know Tom, um, Chief Superintendent Tom Myers very well, and I've been speaking to him and his other colleagues, and look, as I said, we're all banging the same drum. Like, there was all the Gardaí that were on last weekend for the St. Patrick's Festival were probably on overtime, and, you know, that's that's just, I suppose, the way it is, but there was very little trouble last weekend in Cork City Centre, and I was in all weekend, yeah. and I saw very, very little. It was hardly anything, you know? You preempted my question, actually. Uh, do you dread <laughs> busy weekends like last weekend, or is it a thing that they are drafted in to cover? No, we we don't mind the busy weekends, like, for example, the marathon coming up or the jazz festival or the Christmas period or last week, Patrick's Day Parade. They're all they're all fine. There's very, very little trouble. Like, And there could be thousands on the streets. But it's majority of the time it's families in with their kids and stuff like that. And there's a really good guard at present. They're, they were around last Friday on their bicycles. They were around on foot. I think there was only one incident all day outside um, outside the GPO with teenagers fighting. But other than that, there was nothing. And, you know, that's 
that's a credit to the Gardaí and I have to say like I'm a firm supporter of them they're doing their best it's a bit of a poison chalice mm. um, but you know I, I, hopefully if they can get more Gardaí onto the streets and get more Gardaí into Cork mm. and I think as well PJ that there needs to be some kind of social aspect and some, some kind of social element whereby people are going into schools and they're trying to educate teenagers you know not to go down this road Shane was talking there about a guy getting arrested um, or maybe he was telling me himself recently uh, seven or eight times in one day. I mean, where's he the logic that. in that? And, and, and look, at the, look at the amount of paperwork and the amount of hassle that it has yeah. for a guard to arrest a young fella eight times in one day. And I commend you and your attitude about what you're saying to them, uh, how, how you would go about it. But I just don't know from a legal aspect, is that possible? Probably not. I'm just saying, I, I would, and I wouldn't be the first to say it, and I won't be the last. If you're 14 and you're behaving like a little scrote and you're getting arrested three or four times a day, why aren't you in school? Why don't your parents know where you are? I'd be going after the parents. I'd be looking for a way to go after the parents. Well, that's the other problem, unfortunately, PJ. We've all heard the story that um, the, the young fella that was arrested the four times um, and they called the father and the, uh, they called the dad and the dad says, leave him there. I'm not coming down to collect him. So when you've got that kind of attitude There's going the on, truth. you're just There's the you're, truth. You're bashing your head against the wall. You I've, know? I've heard that story too. I've heard that story. Kevin, yes. thank you. Kevin Hurley um, of Hurley's Centra and, of course, current president of the Cork Business Association. Willie O'Brien is just down underneath us here with the spar on McCurtain Street. Willie, we've talked before about this. And do, do you, is it getting worse? Morning. Good morning, first of all. How are you? I'm not too bad, sir. Not good, too bad. good, good, good. Yeah, certainly um, it's interesting to hear the comments from last night and today that since COVID uh, entered the scenario, there has been a, 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 you know, a surge in, in, in aggressive and violent behaviour, definitely. Um, I, I'm here over 21 years and back in the, early in the day, um, I would have had a lot of difficulty with people shoplifting and that kind of thing, but that's effectively what it was. Whereas in the contemporary situation, what we find is that, that we have the shoplifting, the theft taking place, but we also have aggression and violence going with it, which is totally, totally unacceptable. Mm. What kind of things have and, you seen in your own place? Oh, Christ. It's probably never taken the scenario. Uh, an incident there recently, there was a guy uh, came into the shop. Uh, there was a lot of young people in the shop at the time, and this guy picked up uh, a 1.25 litre bottle of Club Orange and fired it one of the staff. For good luck, he was 20, about 20 feet away, and he had time to turn around, but it hit him in the back. Um, I got hit twice last year. I got spat in my face there once this year. Um, it, 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 it's, uh, I leave Perspex up now. You know, we used to put Perspex up at the counter um, right. because of COVID. I now leave it there as a kind of a, a, a decoy to uh, would-be aggressors. It deflects them. I actually was wondering, yeah. Willie, why yeah. so why many places had left it up. And that's, that's, why. that's why we've left it there. Wow. Because it inhibits the person, you know, the aggressor, from lashing out over the counter. Yeah. And can anything, I mean, look, we had that case, Judge Kelleher, jailed that man uh, for, for mm-hmm. four months for the incident outside the centre. That is the minority of situations, though. For most point, for most part, the, the guards will come, they'll help, they'll do what they can. It's hardly worth their while dragging some little tow rag into the, into the courts because nothing will happen. 
It's not. Don't know and you're 100% right there because I don't think we take the things seriously in this country. You know, we don't take things seriously in this country until something really, really serious happens. Someone has been murdered or stabbed or something like that. Then it's all guns ablaze. Uh, whereas in the mundane, everyday situation when we know it's taking place, we know what's happening, by our complacency, we actually facilitate it. By our complacency as a community, as a society, we allow it to happen. Therefore, it becomes the norm. Yeah. Whereas, but you know, you've seen situation like Mayor, 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 what's his name, Giuliani in New York, when he had the zero tolerance situation, yeah. crime absolutely plummeted um, in, in, you know, in, in, in New York, and we need to get serious about it here. And you know, we complain about having the shortage of guardi. You know, would you want your son or daughter to become a guard at the moment, with the amount of aggression out there? And violence and that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, right. the, the, the guardy actually are uh, very much. I mean, they're dealing with everyone's crap, as such. And um, uh, again, you know, when we see it in the shops, I mean, they must see it even more going through domestic situations, going to murder situations, going to our situation, whatever the case may be. Mm. You know, and and you know, we don't need that kind of hassle in our lives. People have enough to deal with without having uh, unnecessary, unwanted, yeah. you know, trouble coming in the door. Yeah, and and your staff, hardworking people. All, and your staff, in fair, I'm not just saying it because you're down around the corner, will you? your staff are mm-hmm. always in good spirits, always smiling, yeah. always pleasant. It must yeah, be so been, hard for them. I've been looking to retain people. I have lost people as a result, you know, as a result because there, there has been um, very aggressive behaviour. And I have, you know, had girls who got very, very upset, broke down crying and actually subsequently left um, because of, of, of people's behaviour and attitude. It's just not acceptable. Mm. You know, it's just not acceptable. You made the point you know, a, a second. Person is entitled to go to work without being interfered with or abused unnecessarily. You made the point a second or two ago, and I listened to Kevin and listening to Shane as well about you know, do we have to wait until someone is stabbed or worse in a shop just going about their business? Do we have to wait? For that to happen, You'd unfortunately, it seems to, it seems to be a scenario, you know, in this country of how things operate. Like, I'll give you a clear example. Last January, um, and I'm not using this flippantly, Ashling Murphy was murdered, and you know there was all this rhetoric across the newspapers, uh, in, in, in different um, radio and, and television programs. You know, is this the final breaking point? Is this the sword of the camels? If you remember that, you know what I mean. And was this going to bring about change? You know, has anything happened since? There's been about twenty women murdered since. You know, has anything happened? Not really, no. No, not really, no. And unfortunately, we seem to be frog-marched into making change in this country. We need to get serious about it. I'll give you a very good example of it, okay, which probably maybe it's worth thinking about. We have got reality TV. We have Big Brother, we have Love Island and all the rest that go with it. And these things are on almost on a daily basis on our TVs and we're forever watching them and the Kardashians and, and the latest information. Okay, and these things are on weekly, week in, week out, day in, day out. How often is crime line on? Once a month. That's reality. It's a very interesting comparison that you make. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Because that's how serious we are about dealing with the issue in this country. And it's important that we emphasise, it's not just in Cork, this is permeating society, Irish society at this time. But it's more violent, more nasty. More nasty, more aggressive. And, you know, people are entitled to go to work without interfered with. You know, I'm entitled to, to you know, run my business without having to chase it down the street. Yeah. It sounds you to know, me... And many of these people may claim they're homeless and whatever the case may be. Yes, that is a reality. That is a reality. But many of those people actually have more money than people living in houses. 
Yeah. So, from from what I'm hearing from you, mm-hmm. someone walking in rubbing the odd packet of biscuits is the least of your worries. That's the least of my worries. It's the protection of my people. It's, it's, it's more concern. Yeah. That's a bigger concern. You know, I, I'm going to tell something against myself. Recently, I had a guy who had my weekly delivery in. And I'm not saying this with pride. Um, it's a kind of telling it against myself. Um, I had my weekly delivery come in and it was a quarter eight in the morning and I had a lot of a busy day ahead uh, because when an order comes in, I must get another order out for the next day. And I was up to my eyeballs at the time and this guy came in and began robbing. So we were watching him and watching him and eventually he actually walked out the door. So I went after him to get my stuff back. He refused. He began shouting abuse at me and then he gave me a full spit in the face. Now, nothing but a spittle you know, from yeah. a person speaking, I'm talking about a full spit in the face and began to call me names and began to run away. And if he did, I took after him and gave him a kick in the arse. Good okay. man. I did, yeah, and I make no apologies. I'm telling this against myself. Okay, I gave him a kick in the arse. Then he picked up a chair and he hit me with the chair. Now, I'm no Hercules, but I'm not a Mickey Mouse either. I grabbed the chair and I hit him a wallet on the shoulder. Good and man. And with that, he stood up against the, 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 the window and I said, give me back my goods. And I said, have you got anything else? And he said, he opened up his jacket and he said, I have nothing. Now, I'm not proud of that. I'm telling that against myself. But that's what they would drive you to. The frustration, the anger, the, 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 the anxiety. Because, you know, it's not a case of a situation happening that you just say, oh, that's it, move on. You don't. It remains in your mind. It, it remains there. Um, you know, when you're thinking about it, and I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of that because I'm not an aggressive, violent person. I don't believe in it. But um, you were driven to it. They would actually drive you to it. Yeah. It's frustration. It, you know, I'm a human being too. It's frustration, and we seem to have forgotten in this country. And I always think <laughs> something I thought of years ago. You know, thou shalt not steal was something that we all were very much aware of when we were growing up. But apart from the thing of thou shalt not steal, I always thought it was interesting. It was chiselled in stone. It wasn't written on the back of twenty major. It was actually chiselled in stone. It's an indelible mark that was done thousands of years ago. Yeah. And it's still true to this day. Thou shalt not steal. Yeah. Willie, I think a lot of people were listening to you tell that story and yeah. quietly applauding you. And I say that without fear of of country. Yeah. I, I know someone will say, no, you shouldn't be encouraging that. Rubbish. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people listened to you tell that story and applauded you because certainly... I did. Oh, well well done. Willie O'Brien from the Spar on McCourton Street in Victorian Quarter. This is reality. We've had two Cork business people and uh, Shane from Limerick who was on primetime last night. This is the reality of what's out there. I missed that question at the end. There, it's, it's, not, it's not still there. The, yeah. Um, yeah, Fergal, Fergal has seen those plastic screens, those Perspex screens actually blocking a missile fired at someone. I wondered why they left them up in so many places. Uh, and that's why, Willie said, that's why it's, it's a kind of protection for the staff at this stage. They don't have to have them up anymore. Uh, COVID situation, thankfully, under control. But they have them up to protect their staff 0818 96 96 96 and I don't think Willie deserves anything other than a round of applause let's let's give it to him for what he did 
that day when someone tried to rub his shop. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Some do it for the challenge, some for charity, and some for the cheer. Cork's 96FM invites you to run the Cork City Marathon Sunday, June 4th. Whatever you do it for, be part of this summer's favourite feel-good event. Run solo in the Fuller Half Marathon or take part in the first ever 10km race, which can now be run solo or part of a team, which now includes ages 15 plus and up. Sign up for Cork's Feel Good Event of the Year. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie for Sunday, June 4th. With Cork's 96FM. As I anticipated, a lot of support for what Willie did. The story he told about the guy who went to rub his shop. He followed him out, looked for his stuff back, kicked him up the backside when that would, your man turned around and hit him. And then Willie defended himself and hit him back and eventually the guy dropped the goods and made away. Willie says he's not proud of it. I think people should be very proud of Willie for standing up for his business there in the morning. i tell you something now, I'll say this, I'll be killed for this. I don't care. If I was in Willie's position, which I'm not, and I probably never will be, I wouldn't know the first thing about running a business. If I was in Willie's position, I would have a taser under the counter. And I know you're not supposed to have one, but I would. Oh, I most certainly would have a taser under the counter. And I'd let your man had it, had it, instead of kicking him in the arse, I'd have shot him in the ass with the, with the taser. 0818 96 96 96. Oh, complain me if you want. But that's how bad it is. Not unconnected. In fact, I would say very much connected to this is an upsurge, a reported upsurge in homophobic and transphobic hate crime. We've heard quite a lot of it over the last couple of months. I spoke to the material boy a couple of weeks ago and we heard about that other case down in Mahan where a trans woman was attacked in broad daylight, middle of the afternoon and there's an ri- a rise in attacks, a very and pronounced rise in attacks. Uh, Alicia Spindler is an LGBTQI plus advocate. Alicia, good morning to you. Can I just correct you? It's Ailsa. Ailsa, my yeah. apologies. Don't my worry. Apologies. It's, it's, a, it's an old Scots Gaelic name, but it seems to cause all sorts of problems in Ireland. It's a lovely name. It's Thank lovely. you. Okay. Upsurge, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're actually waiting on the uh, national figures for hate crime. They're due out this week for, for Ireland, um, but we know already that uh, hate crime and, and hate speech against gay and lesbian and trans people is second only to uh, racist hate crime in Ireland. Uh, we know the figures have gone up. We haven't got the exact figure yet. But as you say, we've, we've had some quite well-publicized accounts, unfortunately, recently in Cork. Um, and yet when we talk to, to the guards or uh, to kind of... You know, it, official figures they just say well we don't get these reports we don't we don't log any reports because no one tells us about them and that's that's an issue we're facing that we really want to encourage people to report things to the guards because if they don't 
then the guards can turn around and say there is no issue. Yeah. Now, the, the figures, like you say, are not out yet for 2022. No. But 2021, there were 40 reported incidents in Cork City. Uh, of those, 12 were classed as public order offences. Now, that's 40 in yeah. an entire year. Now, to me, that screams of underreporting. Yeah. And we know when we talk to people, I mean, you've mentioned Material Boy, um, when we talk to people who've been attacked in that way, and, and we, we've heard that account, and on every level that is uh, a homophobic attack, a physical attack, and yet when we talk to people who are attacked like that, they say there's no point in going to the guards because... Um, at best, they'll treat it as, well, it's your own fault kind of thing. You know, they'll say that you were drunk or whatever. And, and of course, anyone can take a drink. That doesn't justify someone attacking you for any reason. And the other thing is that in the past, I'm not saying all of them, but some guards would be very insensitive in how they... Uh, investigated a complaint so we we know of people who complained years past and then a guard turns up at their house or their place of work to take a statement and maybe out them um, sometimes deliberately sometimes accidentally but that's that's the problem people say nothing will happen if we do report it and we may get hostility from the guards anyway is there a concern that somebody will be, and I know that that uh, trans woman in, in Mahan seems to be okay now, and I'm glad to hear, and I know that David Babington made a great recovery and fair to play, play to him, but is there a fear, Elsa, that somebody will be badly hurt or worse? Yeah, we, we know um, there were two murders in Sligo last year, and whilst the families have, have requested privacy about it, um, all I can say is that we think um, assumptions about sexual orientation were at the root of, of the attacks. And so, yeah, it happened. Um, there was, there was a, a, a murder, or I think it ended up being treated as manslaughter, of someone who was living in a tent um, on the west of Cork. And again, without going into detail, uh, there was a homophobic element in that attack. And so... It's the real fear. You're talking about Timmy, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we, I mean, I, I try and be careful what I say because I know some people will, will accuse me of spreading alarm and all this kind of thing. But the real fear in the community is people say they don't want to be out on their own at night. They feel nervous about going to a venue which may promote itself as LGBT friendly, but that doesn't cover the people who might be hanging around outside. So they get followed, they get uh, attacked, they get hassled. We know people who've been mugged um, coming away from gay venues and being told, don't say anything because we'll tell everybody that you are coming out of chambers or wherever it might be, you know. So uh, <clears throat> this is a, a climate of fear that affects many of the community. And we really want to see some action now. We want to see the guards taking it more seriously. We have some fabulous community guards that we work with very closely but any individual who's attacked doesn't know that they're definitely going to get a sympathetic hearing from any guard that they speak to. Yeah. I'm, I'm reading again from an article Don Lucky wrote in the Echo here, Elsa, quoting that on Garda Shikana's policy is reports of hate crimes or hate incidents will be recorded and investigated as appropriate, where it is perceived that the perpetrator's hostility or prejudice uh, 
was against anyone on the grounds of victims' age, disability, race, colour, nationality, ethnicity, religion, sexual orientation or gender. So it's effectively the guards saying if it's reported to us, we'll investigate it. Yeah, and, and I think they will. I think they will. Uh, I have confidence that if people report, it will be investigated. That's why we are trying to encourage people to report. We're very happy to act as third parties. So if someone is nervous about going to Anglesey Street or wherever directly, they can come to us. We can arrange for a guard to take a statement here so that they are you know, not seen as going in and out of, of the station. Okay. And just generally to give support in that way. But if people don't report, then absolutely the guards will say it's not an issue, so we're not going to concentrate on it. And that's at the Cork Gay Project, yes? Yeah. Okay. Whereabouts are, is that? Yes. We're in Sawmill Street in the South Parish Community Building um, in Sawmill Street. Okay. All right. And if anybody wants to your assistance with reporting something, that's where they can go. Elsa Spindler of the Cork Gay Project. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Bernie says, I agree with PJ. Parents should be responsible for the actions of their teens until the age 18 at least. Tony, if workers can't make a living because of threats and people following them home, I can see people turning to vigilantism, which we would never endorse, Tony, but I can absolutely see where you're coming from. Emer says, good for that shopkeeper standing up for himself. Where are the parents in all of this? There should be a law brought in that if it's a juvenile offender, the parents should pay a minimum fine of €100 Euro or two days in jail per offence. Parents wouldn't be long whipping kids into line then, says Noel. PJ, I'm listening to you there, dead right. Mammy and Daddy dropping their little angels into town thinking they're the bee's knees. I'd go after the parents as well, that's from Jules. Johnny says jail is too good for that fella. That's the fella in the paper this morning. Too good for him, but he still got it. PJ, the parents don't give a shite about these kids. The kids are damaged and taking it out on the shops to feel better about themselves. It's nothing to do with COVID or with lockdown. Parents are on drink and drugs. Ask any remedial teacher. that try their best to get kids to learn. They'll tell you it's a total waste of time because the parents could not give a fiddlers. It's nothing to do with lockdown. This was coming a long time and you could see it coming. That's from Finbar. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 966 96 Yeah, one thing you would certainly hope is that we'll see more cases coming out of the courts like that one yesterday where that man James Conway Conway from Cove jailed for four months for public order charges after an incident outside one of the centre shops in town before Christmas uh, he spat at people he called a, a, an assistant an effing bitch he resisted arrest just basically made a total nuisance of himself in the middle of the day in front of all those Christmas shoppers after causing trouble inside in the centre store and he got arrested and got four months for it we need more of that to tone down the kind of things 
we were talking about in the first hour this morning, but you get even less of it. And as Willie was saying, and as Kevin was saying, for for the most part, there's no point because they're 13 and 14 and 15 and they're just there making a nuisance of themselves and there's little or no sanction can be brought against them and they know it. And that's the worst part. There's nothing you can do to them because they know it. They're only 14, 15 and you're powerless. You can throw them out, you can get them arrested and bring them to court. There's nothing at all can be done. And maybe there's a point to be made. Maybe there's a case to be made. And how you do it? It's not my job to know. People well above my pay grade know how to do these things. Make the parents responsible. And I don't care whether that parent is someone who lives in a working class area and struggles to put bread on the table. I don't care whether it's that person or I don't care if it's someone living down with Reggie on the Black Rock Road. I, I don't care. In fact, I heard a community guard telling a story one time of an occasion where he met the daughter, the teenage daughter of, shall we say, uh, someone who would be of a Reggie type. You know what I mean now? Reggie down the, the road with the millions and the cars and the whole thing. Met a daughter of a Reggie type. The daughter was most inebriated and rude, and lashing out, and kicking, and screaming, and 14 plastered out of her head in the middle of the day. And he said, I know who she is, and I know where she lives, being a community guard, he would. So he brought her to the house, to her house, and her, she lives in a gated community with a, a lock on the gate and a code for the gate, and he pressed the button at the appropriate house, what do you want? Came on the intercom. I've got your daughter here. She's in a bit of a state. I think you should come down and let us in. I'm not letting you in. Well, what am I going to do then? Leave her here? Yeah, you can leave her here. But I can't let her here. She's 14. She's drunk. She's a nuisance to herself and a danger to herself. And this community guard was told brazenly, I earn in a week what you make in three months. Know your place. Leave my daughter and get out of here. Guard was told that. Middle of the day. So, you know, it happens at all levels. 0818 96 96 96. Do we make the parents responsible? I say go for it. Absolutely go for it if it can be done. I heard this in the last couple of days. And I was not surprised by one of the, the stats involved. Six out of ten people still don't claim, taxpayers still don't claim relief on their medical expenses. This is according to a new survey conducted by Taxback.com. Taxback.com is a website that'll do an awful lot of the heavy lifting for you in claiming a tax rebate. Now, they charge you for it, but they do an awful lot of it for you, so you're kind of paying for a service. They say six out of ten people don't claim tax relief on medical expenses. Four out of ten don't do it because they're afraid of having anything additional to do with revenue. And I think that might keep an awful lot of people. We are entitled, I went for a look at the website this morning, we are entitled to a lot back in our taxes for ordinary, everyday medical expenses. In fact, I recently submitted a claim to VHI. They told me I couldn't have anything because it wasn't 
over the excess and all of that doesn't matter what it was and they even suggested to me that I could claim it back against my taxes Charlie Weston personal finance editor with the Irish Independent joins me just what can we get back in medical expenses Charlie morning good morning PJ Um, yeah you can claim back 20% of the expenditure on GPs on consultants on prescriptions so, you know, a household with a couple of kids, if you don't have a medical card, uh, and particularly in the last couple of years, households would have spent a fortune on medical expenses, given that we were in the grips and the scare of, 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 of an epidemic, a pandemic even, uh, you know, there was a lot spent on, on, on prescriptions and medical um, me- medical uh, visits, etc. So, you know, you can claim back. Twenty percent of that—it's not huge. It used to be much higher. That's half of what you used to be able to complain, uh, claim, but it's there. It's your money, and revenue themselves will tell you medical relief is the most ignored uh, tax relief by mm. taxpayers, despite the fact that it's an easy one to claim. And you're absolutely right. A lot of people have on their health insurance. If they have health insurance, you can claim—you uh, know—maybe half of the uh, expenses of GPs and prescriptions, etc. But Oh, quite often you're right, there's a big excess there, so you have to, you know, the, the first 300 euros is, you can't claim, that that's, because, that's what they call the excess. So it's, it's, it's definitely worth doing. And if you don't have the receipts, you're supposed to have the receipts, you can go into your GP and get them to print off, um, uh, you know, uh, some of the receipts, or you can go into the, the pharmacist and they may be able to print off the receipts for you. So it is definitely worth doing. Um, there's huge amounts of money owed to taxpayers. The figures are startling. Really? Uh, the most recent figures we got was 2021 something like half a million taxpayers have have an overpayment to to, to revenue half a million taxpayers it's about 300 million euros for that year now these figures change all the time but for that year it was 300 million that's an average of about 670 euros that people are due from the taxman but won't go and claim either through you know inertia laziness or just not aware of it. Most people are just not aware of it. Four in ten people said it never crossed their minds from this survey or were unaware of the fact that they could claim this money back. It's your money. Get it. It's there. It's yours to claim. You should take it, Uh, particularly when we're living through a cost of living crisis. We're due at PJ. uh, People really, really need to put a bit of time in. It's an easy one to claim. You can do it online. You can do it on your phone. It's not difficult. They're quite helpful when you ring them as well if you have a problem. Mm. You used to be able to fill out a form mid mid one, but they want you to do it online now, but it is easy to claim. So if you just take... My house since Christmas. My my wife was was quite sick over Christmas. We had the doctor twice, and we had prescriptions. And then I have a monthly prescription that I take for a little ailment of mine. And I went to see my chiropractor a couple of times, and I went to see my chiropodist, which I do about every three or four months. So, and you know, there this. So you can put all of that stuff through. You can, yeah, and and you can go back four years. That, that, that's the beauty of it. You know, if you're not restricted just to just this year or last year. You usually do it the, the, for the previous year, but you can go back four years. Now, they will ask you to keep the receipts. They won't necessarily look at them, but if there's a problem, if they, they're suspicious, they'll say, okay, shows to, shows to prove it here, you know, but they very seldom do. But, um, you know, four years of, of medical expenses in a household with a couple of kids or maybe somebody who has, you know, a medical condition, 
that can really mount up. It could be a big chunk of money that you could get. They'll they'll process it fairly fast for you. As I say, they're easy, they're, 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 they'll accommodate you. They, they, you can do it in various ways. It's definitely worth your while uh, having a look at it. Um, you know, and, and, and the pity of it is people don't know about this. And I'm yeah. always saying to Revenue, you guys need to do more to tell people about this stuff. Now, you're absolutely right on what you say. This tax back survey found that about a third of people just don't want to engage with revenue. They're afraid that revenue will find there's something wrong and you let yes, them put a big that's, bill. That's the fear, Charlie. We're you put all, you put all your receipts in. Sorry, you put, you put all your receipts in. You send it off and they say, look, yeah, you're entitled to that. But in t- 2021, we f- we found this. They're, people are afraid yeah. of their life of that. They are and they shouldn't be because revenue have a pretty good oversight of what you're doing. They they can see what social welfare are paying you. You know, they 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 ha- they these systems are integrated. Unfortunately, good and bad, Big Brother is looking at you and the, and they probably know what's going on anyway. This is why they're able to tell that so many people are due tax money back. So I I wouldn't be too worried unless you're doing something dodgy, unless you're you know, you're running a cash, cash business and you're not paying your tax and you're not paying VAT or whatever, uh, you know, you, you, you shouldn't have anything to worry about. I, I think that's that's an old that's an old uh, scar we have going back years where we didn't trust the tax authorities. Um, they're actually quite helpful people to deal with. They're quite decent. It's your money. They want to give it back to you. Yeah. But if, if people don't know of it, it this, this, that, is a real, that is a real issue. And it shouldn't be down to surveys by the likes of... Um, tax back who are you know in the business of trying to uh, as you said earlier to, uh, to, to get your refunds but they, they get a you know they're obviously charging for it but it's not there you know you can do this yourself as well yeah. you don't have to go to tax taxback.com you can you can do it yourself and it's easy to do but you know uh, revenue really should up their game and start telling people and and, and they say to do write to people and say look if you are due money back you know come back to us some people will ignore that they hate to see a letter coming through the letterbox with you know one of those uh, brown uh, envelopes with harp on uh oh, what, what have I done wrong here? You know, <laughs> um, but it's worth opening it and checking that you, you you may have money due back to you. Yeah, yeah. Do you get cash, Charlie, or do you get credits? They'll put it into your bank account, or, or they used to send checks. You know, just the ridiculous wow. thing. You know, uh, the state, the, the central bank, and the Department of Finance are trying to get us to get away from checks, but those guys, to, you know, have been sending checks. But you know, you'll get the money one way or the other. I mean, the other one was as well the rental credit. That 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 that's a new one, up to five hundred euros, and uh, for last year, you can claim it for this year. Um, the, the, the people didn't claim that, didn't know about it, didn't know what to do. And then suddenly word got around on TikTok or something and people started claiming it and loads of money started coming back to people and num- huge numbers started claiming it. Word just needs to get out there, I think, on, on a lot of these things that there's money there for you, go and get it. Uh, you know, you can get it. It, it, it's not difficult. And, you know, if it's available, why leave it there? And it can mount up to over a period of time. Charlie, thank you for that. Charlie Weston, personal finance editor of the Irish Independent. Medical expenses, pretty much everything you spend looking after yourself or your family can be claimed back through tax. You get 20% of it back and they'll put the money into your bank account and the revenue website itself, it can be a little bit clunky, but they have streamlined it over the last few years, I'd occasion myself back in, was it 2019, I would say. 2019, we had some work done in the house. And at the time, there was a scheme um, where you could put certain of the costs through 
your revenue and you'd get a tax credit for it. And we got in at the very back end of that scheme. We were putting in a new kitchen and there was some stuff wasn't admissible, some stuff was. And all it took was me making a list of what I could claim for and what I couldn't, getting the receipts from the people from whom I could claim, sending it off to revenue and revenue assessed, I think it took about a month, revenue assessed that I was entitled to a tax credit in this particular case and they put it onto my tax credits over the period of two years and that scheme is gone. But with Charlie, you can go back four years with this. So go to your doctor and ask your doctor to give you a receipt for everything you've been to for the last four years. If you have any uh, receipts from the local pharmacy, if you go to the same pharmacy all the time, they may be able to pull stuff for you. Your prescriptions, you see, they'll know when, they, when you bought them. Get that, get all those receipts together. Get on to revenue. Taxback.com have done the survey, but taxback.com will do an awful lot of the work for you, but they'll also charge you for it. Go on to the revenue website and do for free. It's worth a try. I know I have a few receipts. We'll be going back up the line. 0818 96 96 96. Now, be careful. You see, this is the thing. Be careful doing calculations of what you owe. I put in for four years of medical expenses and they deducted tax for COVID payments. Sure, it's money you've had to pay. Just don't count on getting the cash. That's true. You could run up against a stumbling block if you had COVID payments and all of that. But it's there for you. And Carlos says, I have to pay to get my bloods done every two months for 20. Yes, you can. To get my bloods done every two months, cost me 20 euro. Can I claim that back? Yes, get a receipt for it. And ring up wherever you get them done and get the receipts for the last while. You can go back two, three, four years. Get a receipt for every time that you had your bloods done. And you can get it. Get a receipt. Ask Ring your GP. Ask your GP to sum up how much you've paid over the last three or four years and get a receipt for it. And see how much is there for you. And then pay it back into your bank account. That's the exciting bit. Just on... <laughs> Come here. Now, we're talking about assaults on shop workers and staff and people being spat at and attacked and having coffee thrown in their face and just generally abused, threatened, intimidated. John O'Donovan. John, you can always rely to make me smile, my friend. Park the abuse and assaults and the shoplifting, says John. The ultimate offence has been committed on the radio this morning. PJ has called the street, named after a Lord Mayor of our city, murdered by the Crown as the Victorian Quarter. It's the McCurtain Quarter. Well, John, the businesses of that particular street and surrounding areas would beg to differ. It is McCurtain Street, part of the Victorian Quarter. The VQ, they even have a brand. But thank you. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. We're back to the retail and crime and intimidation and gangs. Staff in Mahant Point, I'm hearing from Chrissy. Staff in Mahant Point are being terrorised by scumbags. They're using the place like their own playground. Nobody should have to go to work in condition like that. My kids are always asking me to let them go to Mahan Point with their friends, but there is no way I'd let them go 
on their own. 0818 96 96 96. Now we're all giving out about the cost of living here going up and up and up. And it used to be that you'd book the summer holidays in Spain or the Canaries or the Balearic Islands or wherever and you'd think that's grand now. I'd go off for me two weeks in the summer and everything would be half price and I'd live like a king for half the money. Uh, not so true anymore. I was weighing Tenerife last summer and I noticed the price of certain things had started to, to go up a bit. Uh, Pat O'Neill has the website canaryislandstips.com and you're based, I think, in Playa de Lingles in Gran Canaria. Pat, you've emigrated out there. I, I, I hate you already for that, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the, prices uh, are going, the prices are going up, mate. Yeah, uh, first of all, I'm actually up north in uh, Las Palmas, oh, very good. in Gran okay. Canaria. Okay. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, prices are going up. I was talking to Eva there, and she was in Tenerife, uh, I think, a couple of weeks ago as well, you right, know? Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, I think it's like the same as everywhere in the world, you know? Um, but the islands are absolutely hopping at the moment. It's not stopping anyone coming over here. Yeah. It's, it's as busy now as pre-COVID. Right. Right. Now, I know the Spanish government did a lot for food prices. They cut VAT on a lot of essential goods, which should have brought prices down. They cut VAT, yeah. Yeah, they cut VAT. And, for example, I have, like, a monthly bus pass here, and they made that free for the rest of the year, you know? Mm. so, like, that's very handy. But as well, I suppose the one good thing here, prices are definitely going up, but if you're living here, like, the energy prices aren't too bad. You know, I pay about €35 Euro a month for my electricity, but that's because I don't use any heating yeah. or I don't use, like, uh, air conditioning or anything like that, you know. So it's quite good that way. But, like, if you're coming here, um, hotel prices, apartment prices, they're really going up a lot, you know. Yeah, I have they're noticed that since I booked, my, since I booked yeah. my own holidays. I booked earlier in the year and the very same yeah. place, the price had gone up by about a third since I booked. Whoa, whoa. Now, the last uh, the last official stats that I have was for January and accommodation prices had gone up by 10% on the previous January, you know. Mm. So, like, the average cost of tourist accommodation in the Canary Islands in January was 108, 108 euro and 40 per night, you know. Mm. Now, that's a combination of all types of, uh, like, apartments and hotels. Apartments would actually be cheaper, you know. But definitely, even I look when, sometimes I have friends on holidays down playing English, and I look at going down there, and if I can if I can get a cheap deal, I'll stay in a hotel for the night. But uh, it's just too crazy there at the moment. So I get the bus back up at night time, you know. Yeah, and well, you can there because the buses run run quite late, and there's a night bus and all that. You're saying that yeah. the five euro pint isn't far away. Uh, I paid a five euro. I was actually playing this last uh, weekend because I had friends on holiday, so I went down there, you know, and I paid five fifty for a pint in playing this on Saturday. <laughs> 550 550 now here in Las Palmas I'd pay about 3 euro you know yeah. it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's, it's a bit like Cork. It's more Spanish, you know. But yeah, I've crossed the five euro point, you know, mm. uh, only, only a couple of days ago. Yeah. And of course, the Canary Islands are still tax and excise free. So so that's yeah. that's an expensive yeah. point. Yeah, because it's about seven percent, seven percent fat here, I think. Mm. But uh, I, I do think because the numbers, like they, in January, like all tourist accommodation was eighty-two percent full on all the Canaries, you know. So that's very busy. Wow. Now I do think some of the tourist areas are definitely exploiting inflation, you know, in that they're adding. Like I can get pint, I can get a glass of wine here in Las Palmas for two fifty, mm. and I could pay five euro for it in played English. Same wine. Same island, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emra was saying yeah. she paid six fifty for a Sauvignon Blanc in some of the restaurants yeah, in, t- in Tenerife. I was you'd be shocked at that. You'd be no. Now it's probably a bigger glass than you get downtown here, oh. but, <laughs> but at the same time, oh. and I remember, like, yes, your your vodka might be gone up to six fifty, but there's enough in it to sink a battleship. Yeah, and it includes <laughs> the mixer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There is that. What yeah. about groceries, Pat? Like eggs, milk, bread. When you're self catering, the first place you go. Is Mercadona yeah. or Hyperdino or whatever you have yourself? Yeah. Do you know what, PJ? I actually I've done a lot of travelling in the world in the last few years, right? And I did notice one thing: like the, the prices in Irish supermarkets. You know, people might shout at the radio now, like, but they're really competitive uh, compared to most places in the world. You know, you think so? Like Aldi and Little. Yeah. And like I was in South America a couple of years ago. Uh, supermarkets are for the rich over there, you know. I was absolutely shocked at the prices in supermarkets there, you know. Um, and I used to shop a lot. When I used to live in Cork, I used to go to that Aldi there near the Elysian. Yeah. And I've never seen those prices over here, you know. I go to, I was in Little here two days ago and it's not the same at all. It's higher, you know. Really? So, but I noticed the prices here in groceries are... They're up about 20, 25% than last year, you know. For basics, and like milk and eggs up, and bread, yeah? Yeah, 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 because, you know, I mean, like, we all think that we get something different when we go shopping, you know, but we tend to buy 90% of the same stuff for our groceries, you know. Yeah. So you do notice the price going up, you know. Now, I know that Irish people on holidays, Pat, tend to look for familiar brands. You're always going to pay yeah. more for the familiar brand. If you buy the local thing... Which is every bit as yeah. good. It was always cheaper. Is that still the case? Um, 
Not particularly. I, I don't think so. I don't feel that, I'll be honest. Um, I suppose the good thing here is that eating out is still cheap, you know? Yes. And I think that's down because people's salaries here are a lot lower, you know? Mm. Um, I met a friend of mine there on Monday night, and we had I, uh, a glass of wine. I think I had, what did I have? Rice with uh, chicken mm. and chips, and I think it came 11 euro or something like that, you know? Yes. So you can still do that here, you know? Yes, yeah, there's economies of scale, and it's a lot cheaper to run a business over there as well. It is, yeah, and a lot of people own the business as well, PJ. You know, mm. so it's uh, so it's, it's cheaper for them, you know. And uh, and like I went for a friend called over to me yesterday, and we went for breakfast yesterday, you know, and just a coffee, and you know, one of those tostadas, yeah, like a tomatoes, toasted yeah. roll, yeah. yeah, with tomato and cheese, and it was three fifty, you know. So that's I know it's not about Spain. If you go out and eat, it's, it doesn't cost you. Um, much more than if you had to make it yourself, no, you know. No, it, so and breakfast that's still, is that's still true. You breakfast know? is always quite cheap. I find anyway when I'm out in the morning on my holidays out for a wander. Breakfast can be ha- half or no, and that tostada, which is a that's kind of a traditional breakfast, and I will include yeah, your coffee. Yeah. You'll have that for three three fifty four. Yeah, you get your coffee and everything, you know. But it's uh, I was in Seville there um, like a couple of weeks ago. I have a friend living there. And like it's, I it's still cheap. I think you know, yeah. you still get your, you could get it for two fifty over there. You know, yeah. but people, what I know is about Spain in particular, PJ. Like it, it, eating out in Ireland is like is like a treat. Where like I was in Seville a couple of weeks ago, you couldn't get a seat. Yeah, uh, sit down because they eat out all the time. You know, so so and, and that's they, what I mean uh, by economy because, of scale. That that keeps yeah. prices reasonably exactly lower. yeah yeah, yeah. there is a minimum yeah. wage now isn't there though pat so wages um, aren't as ridiculous uh, as they used to be yeah but uh, people tell me like the canaries actually is one of the poorest regions in spain you know yeah i think andalusia is uh, is the same and um, people tell me that they get above 1200 euro a month you know so it's not great you know yeah and like if, if you're renting you if you're like renting an apartment you know you're not left left for a whole lot of uh more plus um i know the contracts here like uh it's very hard to get a full-time contract here yeah. because if you get a full-time contract here it's very difficult for the employer to get rid of, yeah. rid of you if you're not good you know i was reading so that they actually. try and avoid yeah. that you know yeah yeah, yeah. Come here. What has yeah. you? What has you over there? What took you to live there? Oh. <laughs> other than other than the obvious, uh, the sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, right? I used to work online, and I was talking to a friend of mine about ten years now, and I said, "God, I'd love to win the. If I won the lottery, I said, I'd never live in Ireland in the winter. Now I love Ireland, but not during the winter." Yeah. And he said, "You can actually do it." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "You work online." So I just tried it, and I was staying quite near plating this one time, and I came up to Las Palmas on a on a day trip, and I just fell in love with it. Yeah. And uh, kind of been here ever since, you know. And I bought a place here last year, you know. I sold up in Cork, and I bought a place here. So I'm here. <laughs> As a friend of mine said, like, there's a friend of mine from Dublin. He says uh, we're quite similar. He says that we we made uh, this. A brave choice of leaving like and I said no we're not similar I said you still have a house in Dublin I said I'm like mutiny on the bounty I've sunk my ship so I'm still I, I'm just I'm here for the, the long haul you know 
<laughs> I, I'm only yeah. desperately jealous of you, Pat. So jealous of you. <laughs> yeah. So. It's Abercork is great too. I know, I know that. Been but with the winters, yeah. I agree with you. With every oh, passing year of my life, I hate the winter more. Yeah, the winters, the winters are horrible. Like <laughs> horrible, damn, but, uh, you know, dull, cold. Yeah, but you know, I could like I I keep saying like to people, you know, like if you have a house, say if you're retired or whatever, and you have a house in Cork, and if you know someone said that you could rent it for six months, you know, mm-hmm. like someone going to university, uh, a nephew or something like that, that you can get it back off them, you know, like you could rent that out and come here for the winter and it's not going to cost you anything, you know, yeah. because you're going to get a place cheaper here. And, you know, even if you're on a, a state pension, you know, you, yeah. you can do it, you know. Yeah, we have a new. I see that. I remember, that. You mentioned Seville, and you love Seville, and I was there once. A lovely place. We have yes, a new Cork Seville flight now starting in June. So yeah, do you know what? I don't want to knock a PJ, but I'll be honest. I'm I was surprised. I love Seville. I absolutely love it. But um, I see the flight is uh, June, July, and August. Yeah. I wouldn't go anywhere near Seville in July and August. Would you not? It's like no, it's it's the hottest city in Europe. <laughs> like. Uh, it's like uh, I was there a couple of weeks ago, and it was like twenty-three degrees. Like, but like I have friends living there, and they tell me like last summer that there was no no one on the streets. You you were yeah. only on the street if you had to, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, was, a, it was, it was oh. up 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 down there in the forties. Yeah, I know that that's hot. Pat, thank you very much. Pat's website is canaryislandstips.com. It is getting more dear. It is still cheaper than home, and it's still hot, and the war- the sea is still warm, and all of that. So that's good. If you were going to have a bite to eat, whether here or in Spain, how would you feel about going on your own? Elke, I love it. I absolutely love dining alone. Uh, I don't bother with anything else. I just go along and have my own lunch and treat myself. How do you feel about that? Um, I do the same. Absolutely the same. It, and I started very early on. Um, I had a grandmother who didn't like sitting down for long. So she placed me somewhere and went away. <laughs> you were writing in the Independent, according to Henry Reason, about the, yeah. the joy of dining alone. Just talking to Emma here during the break. She hates it. She gets. Oh, she does. Yeah, she does. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it, I have to say. But I know a lot of people who hate it as well. And not, only, not only women, but uh, men as well. I know many men who don't like dining by themselves. I personally love it uh, because, first of all, I can watch people, which I love, yeah. but I can also really concentrate on the food, which is one of my uh, loves that I do, you know, so I love really discovering what I eat and, and tasting it and looking at it and so on. And you do it better than you're on your own. Yes, you concentrate more on it. You're mm-hmm. not chatting over it. Yeah. Exactly. And you can watch people. That is a great thing as well. <laughs> <laughs> you can watch people or you can read. You see, that is fighting. So I read actually an article, an American publication, and they gave tips on how to dine alone. And one was actually take a book, uh, take the paper, uh, take your laptop or your tablet, whatever with you and so on. And I said, why though? You know, it's when you do this, you actually isolate yourself completely. So you, when you look up, the and to be honest, I have the experience that when you actually look up and you smile, people come to you and they talk to you. And uh, the, you can have the chat with the waiter. You know, you can actually really get kind of what is the nicest thing on the on the menu and so on. Yeah. And if you if you're having notes in a book, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, but there's this, the lovely solitude 
of yeah, grabbing yeah. that bit of grub on your own and getting stuck into a book. That I love that. But yeah, you're right. Talking to people and watching, well, watching people. Oh, watching people, yes. And particularly, you see, here's my favourite part, Elke. This is where I do it. In the sunshine, in the oh, summertime, right? Yes. I have sunglasses on so they can't see me watching them. You're sneaky, you're sneaky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, and sometimes, you know what I do sometimes? I bring a Kindle with me everywhere. So sometimes yeah. sometimes I put the Kindle up on its little stand, mm. you know, and I'm not reading my Kindle at all. I'm watching what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> you're really sneaky. You're very sneaky. You see great things, you'll hear yeah, great yeah. things. Yeah. No. Why, why do you think some people get so anxious, though? Uh, to be honest, it could just be, I don't know, I never asked her. She also said I have friends who wouldn't. So, And Ima just said it to me as well, that she actually would wait outside when she meets a friend. Um, I have friends that do as well. They're saying, oh, I, I'm not going in before you're here. And I said, why not? You know, um, it's, I'm just used to it. So I never questioned it. Yeah. You know, um, I was taught to be independent. And if you want something, go for it. Yeah. So if I, I'm hungry, I go for it kind of thing. But um, I also enjoy my own company. Yes. So I think I'm quite delightful, you know, to be with. So I like to be with myself. But it's uh, really one of the things, uh, uh, I think it's how you've been brought up as well, I'd say. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and then people, some people just have to fear. Yeah, you wonder, you wonder what the fear of what, though. Maybe having to get caught in a conversation. The one thing that does happen is you're sitting in the corner of a restaurant or a pub and you're waiting for your food and someone, hello, I haven't seen you for so long. And you're going, I know, I know. I'd rather not see you now either, but hello, you're not. <laughs> Jesus, where do you call yeah, that happens as well, yeah. Do, do you find yourself going into a place and looking for a nuke? Yes, I do that. I do that. I have to say, I do that. Yeah, it's it's uh, also sometimes you have them people not getting the hint, and they stay with you all the time, and they keep talking. Yeah, the the, the, the words and the words you don't want to. Hear. Do you mind if I join you? Because oh, yes. you can't say actually. Yes, I do. <laughs> I know. No, it depends on the person. Yeah. So, so ah, I, yeah. Sometimes I don't mind, but yeah, no, it's no. I have. I'm very often in town for meetings and so on. So I pop them into somewhere and have a nice lunch and enjoy that. Yeah. And if I am places where I happen to know the chef or the waitresses, obviously yeah. I have a chat. But I absolutely enjoy the solitude of it. I have to say. I have to say. Yeah. 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 And being somewhere like that and getting ordering food and finding it's it's more than you expected it would be it's exceptionally good exactly. would you mind telling me what's going into that what's that sauce and you see that's a wonderful thing you when you not uh, uh, people are very willing to actually talk to you about this yeah. you know and I like it no I like it I have to say and you, ha- and you have that couple of minutes with the person if you're lucky exactly and you're not boring your companion because you don't have a companion <laughs> exactly <laughs> it happens to me all the time that they're very bored when I ask about the food yeah <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what our listeners think about dining alone. El- Elke, thank you. Elke Manny from Beer Sosta, uh, writing in, this, in the Cork Independent recently about the joy. I love it. I absolutely love it, particularly in the summertime. Breakfast or lunch. I do it here a lot of Fridays. Now, most Fridays I'd have someone I could meet for lunch or, or whatever, but I go out of here a little bit early on a Friday and I'd usually have someone to meet either for a coffee or a lunch or I might have a meeting with someone or whatever but a lot of Fridays I'm just on my own and I have about maybe an hour an hour and a half to kill before I have to collect the young lad and I absolutely love grabbing a spot of lunch by myself 
I was down. I won't mind telling you where it is. I was down. He, his his place where he does his day stuff is down on Monaghan Road, and I have to collect him at two o'clock of a day. And there's a wonderful little place up there by Kennedy Park called Salt. And I was in there with my daughter about six weeks ago. We just grabbed a bite of lunch, and I fell in love with the chicken thing that they have. They have a kind of a chicken. And I've been in there. I've been in there on Friday. I just have me and me chicken wrap and me coffee and me book for an hour. And it is paradise. Emer, on the other hand, if I was eating Emer for lunch or whatever, or if she was meeting someone for lunch, she would not go into the pub or the restaurant until someone else arrives to go in, find the table, sit down. Why? What do you like? Do you like to dine alone? Do you like to treat yourself to lunch? Would you bring a book or the newspaper with you? Or you just sit there and people watch? Or are you like me? Are you really sneaky? Because in the summertime, uh, because of my contact lenses and whatever, the way the light filters through them, I have to have Polaroid or polarized sunglasses. And particularly if I'm eating outdoors, I always keep my sunglasses on. There's a great dual purpose to sunglasses. Polarized in particular sunglasses. You can watch people. And I do. A lot, and it's very entertaining. Do you? Are you one of these people that loves to eat alone, or have a pint alone, whatever? Or do you need somebody with you? Um, my my missus, for example, Queen Bee. If I was meeting her for lunch, would prefer. Now she wouldn't insist on it, but she'd prefer to meet outside first and go in and find the table together, rather than she getting there first and, and me and wandering in and getting a table. Because she doesn't like the idea of walking into a, a pub, a restaurant, or especially a pub, on her own. Don't understand why. Anyone? Floor is open. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Win a pair of Apple AirPods with Cork's 96 FM. Just take our 10-minute music survey and you're in the draw. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or c96fm.ie You know we've followed the story of the Gerns family uh, consistently over the last number of years. This is Andrew Gerns. He was 29 when he was found unresponsive in his cell at Cork Prison on the 28th of September 2020. His family are now suing the Irish Prison Service. They allege that negligence led to his death. There was subsequently an inquest uh, where a jury recommended an independent review of all medical care. And I'm um, joined once again by Evan Gerns, Andrew's brother. Um, Evan, there was some closure, I guess, through the inquest, but now the family feels that a better job could have been done for Andrew. He could have been served better, and you believe he might be alive today if he had been served better. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Good to talk to you again. It's a big decision um, to take, yeah. this. It is. Um it's for his two kids mainly, um, for their future, um, and for to address this uh, issue that is going on within prisons, the glitch in the system and the medical care that uh, prisoners are getting. Um, it, it's, it's not up to standard 
that that we believe that that was well, especially Andrew's case could have got more uh, medical treatment uh, because he had a previous suicide attempt. More should have been done. Yeah. Remind me again of where you feel the failings are. Uh, um, uh, the commit the committal uh, interview um, when someone brought it to the prison that's um, from the Gardaí to the to the prison authorities isn't passed over. Um, the the system that the Irish Prison Service work off um, it, it, it's not fit for purpose. Um, that is jumping in and out, and th- th- there's issues. And, and they know about this from a previous case in 2019. Things still haven't been done uh, to fix this glitch. Um, the medical care in Cork Prison, especially, that's all I know of, but it's probably true. Um, we want a review of all the medical care, and we want it done straight away before anyone else's life is lost. A couple of things that emerged was that because of the previous suicide attempt, he should have been under special observation. Uh, that didn't happen. No, that didn't happen. And in their own uh, in their own followings of medical uh, of suicide, if you have two or more risk factors in in, in listed, um, then you are to put in a special observation cell. Andrew had six uh, risk risk factors that should have and that, that he should have been put in a special observation cell. Yeah. No. Also, um, he he contacted your mom and was quite distressed on the phone and then she tried to ring back she Could ran back again the prison she, uh, and, and, the, and the day Andrew took his own life um, he rang my mother around 12, 12 o'clock um, and he wasn't making any sense and he was in a delusion state and hallucinating and she she just couldn't wait to get him off the phone to ring back to prison and she got through to a prison officer and she was transferred to the medical unit and um, a nurse said, "Look, we're aware of the situation. Uh, we'll keep an eye on him." After that, between after that phone call, Andrew was checked thirteen times. Eleven of them checks were two seconds long. Yeah, I've, like we've seen the CCTV, you know. So, yeah, we feel that more could have been done to keep him under observation. Yeah. There were certain reports. Now, the prison service itself doesn't comment on individual cases, but but there was there was a report. There was so stuff came out at the inquest that I, I think gave the family to believe that there is a case to be answered here. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And people need to be, people, people, there, need, there needs to be changes and there needs to be changes straight away. Um, I've contacted Simon Harris's office and I've heard nothing since. Um, just to change, change, change uh, the way they committal, the way they assess people. Um, you know, they need to be done straight away before any more suicides are or when in the prison, suicide in prison is at an all-time high anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Evan, this is this is for his kids. How old are they now? Uh, Dean is fifteen and Sophie is eight. Okay. And how are they? How are they dealing with this? How are they coping? Ah, uh, they're, they're 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 coping. Grand, they're getting there. They're big family around them. You know. Yeah. Um. Just, you know. So just have to get on with it. Yeah. How are you getting on? My grand is working away, you know, and the best I can do. Exactly, that's all you can do. And how's your mum? Yeah. Ah, she's good. She's back at work now, and um, just keep the head down, you know, and just, just try not to forget Andrew. And well, yeah. you know, 
we leave the solicitors and them fight out this, you know. Yeah, at least they do the heavy lifting now, don't they? You've just given yeah, them everything yeah. you need them to look into. You've given them the, the yeah. inquest report. You've given them all the other stuff and say, here, do with that what you can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do they believe there's a case to answer? They do. Yes, absolutely. They wouldn't have. They wouldn't have taken it on otherwise. No. Excellent. All right, Evan. We'll stay in touch with you. I know yeah. these things can be slow yeah. and painful and yeah, very can painful. I, uh, can I just can I just say thank you to Thomas Gould? He, he was outstanding to my family um, going through the inquest okay. and Donna Lair as well. Um, they were brilliant. So um, okay. thanks very much. I'm really appreciated and won't be forgotten. Okay, Evan, always a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, Evan, the brother of the late Andrew Garns. The inquest, they fought for the inquest for a number of years. They got the inquest recently. And because of what came out at that inquest, they now feel, and their legal advisors now feel, they have a case to raise against the prison service. They believe his life could have been saved if he had better medical care at Cork Prison. It's one we will follow up with the same interest we've always had, which is considerable interest in that case. 0818-96-96-96. People coming back to me on... John was like... I, look, McCurtain Street is in the Victorian quarter. You can like it or you can lump it. But they're doing it up because it's part of the Victorian quarter. It dates back to the Victorian times. All the buildings are Victorian architecture. John wasn't at all happy with me calling it that. I don't care. Tony then says I call it King Street. In fact, the old sign for Lawson's used to say Lawson's of King Street. Did. It did. King Street it was. McCourton Street it is. McCourton Street it still is. There's no one trying to change the name of the street. Do you know, but it is in the Victorian Quarter. Coming back to antisocial behaviour, I told the story uh, told to me by a community Garda who found a teenager in uh, an unfortunate state, shall we say, a danger to herself and others, as they say, 14 years of age, brought that teenager to the gate of the gated complex in which she and her family lived. Uh, Daddy dearest, down the intercom, wouldn't open the gate, wouldn't let the guard in, and told the guard, I earn more in a month than you do in a year. Um, Get away now and don't be annoying me, little man, kind of thing. Um, PJ's talking about that girl and the guard. I tell you what happened if I had my way. The girl would be charged with antisocial behaviour. The parents we contacted and made come down to the station. They should pay for the guard's time and they should look at charging them as well for allowing her to be out and to be behaving like that. The problem is, caller, we keep coming back to it, when they're that young, when they're only 14, charges won't stick. That's the huge problem. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Oh, hello. 
Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Oh, that's an interesting decision with regard to that red card in rugby on Saturday. I was absolutely convinced from where I was watching it very close to a screen, very close to a big screen. I thought yellow initially when it happened. When they slowed it down, I changed my mind and I was thinking absolute red. I didn't see any attempt to slow himself down or lose his momentum or all. That's an interesting turnaround on that decision. There's a great podcast if you're into this kind of thing. It's a video podcast. Uh, the, The wonderful Nigel Owens does it. It's called Whistle Watch. And it's great because he, he does it from his farm. Nigel, of course, is now retired and farming in Wales. And he does this whistle, whistle watch podcast from his farm. And he looks at the controversial decisions of the rugby weekend. He hadn't put up the latest one dealing with that Freddie Stewart sending off yet when I was looking up for it yesterday. But it'll be interesting to see what he has to say. It's fabulous, fascinating, fascinating one. 0818. 96, it is if you're a rugby fan. I know if you're not, you don't care. 0818969696. The text to WhatsApp is 0833969696 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Now, we know that the government, or we're now fairly certain, like I told you yesterday, they'll always cobble the numbers together. They'll cut a deal, they'll, they'll pull the numbers in. It'll be a tight vote, but it's a vote the government will win uh, in the, uh, this afternoon. It was never going to be a binding vote anyway, even if they lost it. They still refused to take the lifting of the eviction ban off the table. They'll probably face a vote of no confidence from the Labour Party next week. They'll win that as well because they'll get the numbers on side. That's just how this politics game works. Nobody up there and I say this with absolute certainty nobody up there wants an election just now and if a policy if a a vote of confidence was lost then there would be an election there won't be an election no they don't want an election none of them do none of them do not even Sinn Féin none of them want an election just now so don't let them kid you that they do anyway the vote will go through today and anything else will go through and at the end of the month the uh, eviction ban <clears throat> will be lifted. And Paul Byrne had a feature last night on Virgin Media um, about people. First of all, he was talking about uh, houses, new houses in Carrigaline, public houses that were completed and are ready to be opened and keys handed to new owners and new occupiers. And they're lying idle since January. And he was talking to Councillor Seamus McGrath about trying to get a move on on that. It occurred to me watching that report that before you have the keys cut, you should have a name on who will be getting them. You shouldn't be having to wait around in the middle of a housing crisis. Now, who might want that house? But uh, Paul spoke to, to Katie. Katie, you're a nurse, I think, at CUH, and you are facing eviction and you're watching these empty houses going up around you. Uh, tell me a little bit about your, your situation. Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good to talk um, to you. Thanks for having me on. 
Um, you're, you're, so, you'd, you'd love one of those houses. Of course, I'd love any house that would be offered to me. But um, unfortunately, I haven't been offered a house. Um, every week I'm on um, the CBL, so the choice based letting that the, the city council have online. They put up houses every week on it. And um, I go on. I go on past midnight at, on Wednesday morning when they're released. It's past midnight. So this morning and you just bid straight away. And, you know, there's some houses that would suit me. And there's other houses that don't. One bedroom apartments, for example, isn't something that would suit my um, my needs. Mm. But um, I bid on anything that I can um, get. And, yeah, it's just I haven't been offered anything. And I think it's going to be a very long time before I am. I've been into City Hall and they've told me, like, I'm halfway through the list at five years. Um, and obviously with my eviction, I'm kind of on borrowed time, yeah. so I need I need somewhere now. You've been given notice of eviction, or you're facing notice of eviction? Yeah, we were given it um, in the last year, and we've had plenty of time and everything. And it's just it's just not feasible to still get a place. You know, it's I've been into city hall between emailing, um, between emailing, calling in, phoning them. Um, it's kind of past the book. You know, nobody wants to deal with the my situation or any situation by the sounds of things, you know. Situation is yourself and your little lad Arlo. He's five and he ha- and he has autism, yeah? Yeah, so Arlo's autistic and he's non-verbal and he attends a special school in Carglane. He's in an early intervention preschool and okay. he's lucky... Is he in um, Sonnets, maybe, is it? In Sonnets, ah, yeah. So know it well, great place, great place. Yeah. It's a brilliant school, fantastic school and he's done two years there and I've luckily uh, secured a place from now in St. Killian's this year. Fantastic. Um, another another fight that you have to fight continuously yeah. but you know as parents you get this stuff done um, it's just it's just hard because we don't know where we're going to live in September you know and it scares me to think that you know he's starting this new chapter of his life and I, I don't even know where we're going to live yeah. you know In the middle of it all you went back and qualified as a nurse and you're now working in the emergency yeah. department fair play to you for achieving all yeah. that in the midst of everything <laughs> I know thank you Um it's something, you know, before all these um, things came down the tracks, it was something I kind of committed to. So I just went away and got the head down and got that done. And um, so at least I have that under my belt. But, you know, these are kind of just other battles that everyone, I think everyone has things going on in their lives. It's just, you know, when you think that you can get help by the Irish government or by, you know, City Hall and these these services are meant to be there for you to use and be able to be able to get a council house, for example. Like I wouldn't be someone who's trying to just get a council house for no apparent reason. You know, I, I, I do meet the requirements, I fit the criteria and still I, I still can't get anything. You know, yeah, I yeah. save for a mortgage, I've applied for the affordable housing. Now that's like a whole other story of jumping through hoops there, but again, that's another thing that I've done and tell, again, tell me I, we heard a lot about that affordable housing scheme and, and how people can tell me some of the hoops you have to jump through. Oh my God. So the mortgage application, if anyone's been through a mortgage application, that's another really stressful scenario. Um, I was doing it on my own as well. So all your forms, your salary starts and everything else, but then the affordable housing goes live at a certain time. Um, so you have it's first come, first serve. You have to be on the laptop, get all your applications done, submit all the documentation. So like that, your salary starts, your help to buy that's another thing you need to do with revenue. There's just so many parts to it. Mm. And then when it's sent off, they'll come back and ask you for more documentation that you need to get. So like, for example, I've been asked for proof of five years bill payment for over five years from 2018 to now to prove that I still live in the house that I live in. And I'm just like, where do we even find a bill from five years ago? You know, because like these things, when you log into your accounts, they only show so much, you That's know, right. so That's right. just these type of things, you know, things that 
just kind of ridiculous in my eyes, but sure, it has yeah. to be done. And with, and I, I'm saying it here, it's inevitable now that the ban will be lifted on the 31st of March yeah. unless something really drastic happens, which is unlikely. How long do you have before you have to start packing your little bag? Um, that's we're, we're unsure, you know. Like there is lenience there with, with our landlord and stuff. There's no kind of issues as such. The, mm-hmm. They're understanding, but it's it's still like you know you need pe- people need to get on with their lives as well and live their lives. You can't, you know. I, I am understanding of that. Mm. You know, if I owned a house, I I would understand that. It's just we don't know. I need to find somewhere like it's. This was given to us last year, and even though the eviction man was there. It's it's gone now. It'll be gone soon, you know. So I I don't know how long I'll have, and I really mm. need somewhere to live. And I've spoke to City Hall about this, and they tell me to engage with the homeless services. Um, and then when I ask what that is before even engaging, because I don't want to waste anyone's time. Um, it's things like hotels I'm going to be offered, or B and Bs for families. Usually they won't offer hostels to families, but they will offer B and Bs and hotels and like Arlo being autistic he needs structure he needs routine he's mm-hmm. collected in the morning by HSE taxi like where am I telling them to go that, you know? that's a and fabulous point Katie he's got transport do you know he's got transport yeah. uh, and you'd have that's another load of unnecessary yeah. nonsense you'd bring down on yourself if you have to move it and he might lose his transport he probably will lose it because they have certain routes, you know, and I've already been told that with him starting a new school, I have to, like, if I sign the form for the taxi, like, it kind of has to go there. That's what the insurance covers. You know, you have to kind of stick to these routes. Um, And I understand that as well. That's policy within their, um, you know, within their guidelines. So Mm. it's just just stressful. It's just the unknown. It's not knowing. 30 30 years of age. How do you look at your, and there's a picture of him, him, proper little bunter. How do you, how did you look at your fabulous little boy? And you must, do you feel a bit kind of, I know I've talked to parents like this before, Katie, do you feel, you shouldn't, but do you feel a bit of a failure sometimes? Of course. And you yeah. shouldn't like, but it's, I know you do. Degra- no, but it's degrading, you know, it's degrading to have to go into these places and almost beg for a house, you know. Yeah. It is. It's awful because I go out and I go to work and I've gone back to college and I've done as much as I possibly can do. Um, And then you're just being met with, oh, we can't do anything for you or you have to wait. And it's just, it's not good enough. Yeah. Your mum's passed away. Your dad is in rental accommodation himself. So you really don't have any safety net. No, I don't. And I'm not looking for, like, you know, I'm not looking for a handout. I'm not looking, like like I said, I can go for the affordable housing. I've I've gone for mortgage applications. I've been offered, I won't even repeat what I've been offered for mortgages, but it's, it's, like, it's shocking. I can't pay it. And I did a mortgage application with one of the banks and um, we went through everything over the phone and we did the whole thing and I was offered a mortgage within what I can pay back, within what I can pay back, what I'm currently paying in rent. And the girl at the other end of the phone said, look, I know you can pay it, but outside of the Central Bank of Ireland guidelines, we can't give it to you. So even though they know I can pay it and I have my HSE job and everything else, they can't give it to me. Yeah. Just because of the guidelines and the policies and all the red tape, you know. Yeah, you must be and very just powerless. Hard to know that I, yeah, it's just hard because I know I've done, as, like I'm doing as much as I can do and it's just still not good enough. Yeah. You know, so... And I've been to politicians and I've been to TDs and, you know, they can send letters and they can kind of, you know, help your case along. But it, it, it does rest with 
the, the council. You know, I, I had to fill out a form for Arlo, a medical form to just state um, he is autistic. So to help his, to help my prioritisation on the list. Mm. And I did that last year and it has to be filled out by um um, medical officers so like a GP uh, for example an occupation therapist who did our those forms yeah. um, two professionals and I handed it back in at the start of November and I haven't heard anything so in February I called in just to see where I am now mm-hmm. on the list and um, no one has reviewed that form oh, for goodness. it needs to be reviewed by yeah by a deciding officer so when I asked the person behind the desk I said where are the deciding officers thinking they were up the country or something it turns out the deciding officers were actually inside City Hall um, with my form that's been there for five months and no one's even bothered to look at it. So I don't know why I'm filling out these forms and why I'm doing all this and getting GPs and occupation therapists to fill these forms out for me, who are also under not enough of pressure, mm. when they're just going to sit in someone's desk and probably get lost or, you know... And, and I know when you fill out a form, because I've done a bit of it in my life, you fill out a form, yeah. you're careful, you, 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 you get oh, two copies yeah. so you won't make a mistake, and then yeah. when you're finished, you give it to someone to read... And you ch- and they check it out, and say yeah, that, and you put hours and hours and hours and hours and hours into it. Yeah. And you you go searching for this receipt and that form and that proof yeah. and that, th- and then you, and it sits on somebody's desk for five months. Five months inside City Hall, and like I called in and I was told to speak to the side officer, and then when I rang, because there was no one obviously that day to speak to me again. Um, when I rang, I spoke to a lady on the phone and she said, a, a deciding officer regarding what? And I said, regarding my place on the list. And she said, I don't, we don't really have to sit, like, who told you that? And I was like, oh my gosh, like, is there a deciding officer or not? Like, can someone just decide they're going to be a deciding officer? Like, whose job is this? I need a name, I need a number, I need an email. Like, it's just very past the book. It's, can you call in? And then you call in and it's like, you need to ring, you need to email. And it's just another excuse after another excuse. And I just, it's just exhausting. It's exhausting when you've done a 13 hour day or a 13 hour night and then you're going home and you're having to call into places and get forms signed or meet with TDs. And it's just like, why, why is this the case for anyone? How are you able to put two feet under you? You just have to get on with it. Like, you know, it's, it's for your children, you know, it's for my son. It's, it's, you just have to, you just get up and you get on with it. But it's just, it's just not fair. And I know that, I, like I said to Paul yesterday, when I was on Virgin Media, I, I know that I'm not the only person. I speak with enough of people to know that there's so many people in similar situations to this. And it's, it's just gut-wrenching, like it's awful. Yeah. And when you watch it, I, I, I've said this over the last couple of days, Katie, politicians are going to do politics. So I don't, I'm not listening to any of them at the moment. I, I'm listening to people like you and I'm listening to people like Peter McVerry and I'm listening to people like Paul Sheehan and Martin yesterday morning. Everybody is screaming at them, don't do yeah. this. Don't do this. You're the, and you're adding your voice to that. Don't do this. Yeah. Yeah, and I just think that right now with the way the housing market is and stuff, there's going to be a lot of eviction notices for people. Yeah. And that's part of it. It's just, I just, with rent going up and everything else, like that was another thing I looked at was renting. You know, maybe I'll just find somewhere else to rent to tie me over. But like, you couldn't afford it. Like as a, on a nurse's salary as a single parent, I can't afford it. And majority of places aren't going to take me. Yeah. They're not going to want a single mother with an autistic son or an autistic child in their rental property. Don't, put, you, too much don't, put, you, don't put yourself down. But I've been I've been in situations where you know that you kind of 
they don't want families, they want professionals. And, you know, I know you're a nurse, they, they how much more professional doesn't get? Yeah, I know. But I just think that you're going to get more money from other people and people, you know, that aren't on rent supplements. So like HAP or things like that, lots of landlords don't want to take HAP. Yeah. You, know, you wouldn't, and would you, would you be eligible? No. I'd qualify for HAP, yeah. Okay. To help at least, you know, try and, then you have to try and find somewhere. Yeah. Then you have to try and find someone yeah. who will take you. Then you have to try and find someone exactly. that Arlo's bus will come to. Exactly, and you have to deal with if uh, right now rental isn't something I'm looking for because again, if this happens a couple of years or a couple of months down the road, I just don't want to go through all this again. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather just get my forever home now. Yeah. whether it be a council house whether it be a house I can buy whether it be a, you know a doer upper I don't really know I, I feel like the, they aren't options I can explore with my salary and with my mortgage application it's just not what I've been offered from the yeah. bank I can't really get anywhere in Cork I know that your friends who've moved out of Ireland you're considering that? yeah I looked into it yeah I was in Australia myself years ago before having our loan it is a great life over there um, it is something like as a nurse, I could I have a qualification that would bring me anywhere in the world. Yeah. Um, I have family here, you know. I have that family support. I wouldn't want Arlo to grow up without that, you yeah. know, family connection. Yeah, you're not. I just, need that. Like, he needs yeah. it, and yeah. I, I I can't do this on my own. Like you know, raising an autistic five year old is tough going, you yeah. know. And I have that support here, and I I wouldn't manage. I don't think either abroad, but I, you know. It is definitely something I've I've done my homework on and I've looked into and I, I've researched and I like I do have friends abroad that I've been in contact with that are like, Come, like what are you doing? You're mad to stay at home. But yeah. I don't want to be anywhere else. I would love to stay here. I just need that opportunity oh. to it's, it's where it's where your support network is for him as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Katie, I wish you well. Uh, I hope that something comes Thanks up. Thanks so much, Peter. I really do hope something Me comes too. up for you. Thank you very much. That's Katie O'Donovan. 0818 96 96 96. And again, I say it, politicians are going to politic. It's what they do. It's what we pay them handsomely to do. And uh, Stan, I, I'm talking about Dara O'Brien and I'm talking about Owen O'Brien and I'm talking about Mick Barry and I'm talking about any of anyone else you ch- choose to name. Richard Boyd Barrett, the whole, they're all at the same crack at the moment. They're all scoring points on this thing. So I've stopped listening to them for now. I'll listen to them all the time if they come up with some sense. But right now I'm listening to people like Katie. And right now I'm listening to people like Peter McVerry and Martin that we had on yesterday. And others, Paul Sheehan down at Simon, who are screaming at the government, writing it in letters of 12 foot tall, do not do this. Find a better way. Yeah. What's that was said yesterday? If if ten people tell you you're dead, you should consider lying down. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Michelle also contacts us to say the city council have sent out letters to tenants about a rent review. So it looks like rents are going up. And then this came in. There's a dimension to the eviction ban that isn't being discussed. We have neighbours from hell. And after a lot of work by the neighbourhood and the landlord, we got them evicted. We got an eviction order. Because of the extra bureaucracy of the eviction ban, they're still in situ with the backlog involved of cases to do with the eviction ban. I can't see them being evicted until it's over. We're prisoners in our houses because of it. Well, the eviction ban didn't cover antisocial behaviour. I'm glad to see that you managed to get the eviction order. And if you're causing trouble... 
then out you should be turfed. If you're not paying your rent, then out you should be turfed. Thank you. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Get ready to meet the Cork's 96 FM Street Fleet. Heading your way soon. Join Simon Murdoch and the Street Fleet live from MD O'Shea's this Friday from 12. We'll be there for the Energy Efficiency Roadshow with leading suppliers on site, thousands of euros worth of prizes, great music and lots more. Join us this Friday from 12 at MD O'Shea's. West Point Business Park Valencolic with Cork's 96FM. Bunch of stuff coming in. The house up the road from me has had 50,000 put into it by Cork City Council. That house should be going to that woman you had on. My heart is broken for her. A nurse, respectable person. Yep holding down a full-time job, doing all the things right, raising her little boy. You see, you've got the big problem here, and there's enough of this. We've talked enough about school transport. If she moves too far away from where she currently is, Arlo could lose his transport to Sonus. Sonus is just the best at what it does. In fact, it's one of very few doing what it does. So he's got a place in Sonus that's worth diamonds. He's got transport that's worth diamonds. He currently has a place to live that's worth diamonds. But he won't have soon. Neither will his mom. She's working full-time. She went back to college in the middle of all this. Back to college, qualified as a nurse, working full-time. And here she's facing eviction. And she's not even complaining about her landlord. She's had plenty of notice. But, but now she's going to have to go once this ban is lifted. Uh, there's nothing in place for her. Nothing. They were talking last night about, oh, we'll do this and we'll do that and we'll do the other and we'll put in safety nets for people and we'll put in backstops for people and we'll make sure that it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. It takes them It takes them months to scratch their arse. It's as if this. they were trying to make us believe yesterday that this eviction ban will end on the 31st of March and that on the 1st of April... There'll be safety nets. There will in my granny. Uplift.ie. Uh, the director is Siobhan O'Donoghue. Siobhan, you only left this eviction map up or open or accessible for a short period of time and you were flooded with stories. Tell me about it. Good morning to you. Uh, good morning from West Cork, actually. Um, yeah, the eviction map went live on Monday afternoon. And as of this morning, I think we've got over 220 stories have been added across the country. Um, we're not we're not closing it. We're going to keep it going. It's um, it's going to be part of the ongoing campaign to try and make sure that people have safe and secure homes. So tell me how one goes about having a look at it. So if you just uh, Google uplift um, eviction map, it'll come up. And you can just then follow steps. You just have to add your story. Um, it's like a survey, and it's very, it's very accessible, very easily done. Yeah, tell me some of the stories you got from Cork when you put it up. Um, so there's stories like um, somebody getting three weeks, uh, their family getting three weeks to leave their house. Um, even though that was completely illegal, um, the landlord had no reason to evict them. 
Uh, he just basically decided that he wanted his house back, um, probably as a summer home in West Cork. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, d- left that family scrambling to find another place to home, to, or to another place to live. And that house has been sitting empty since they left. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never been, like, and that doesn't go over two and a half years ago. Right. Um, yeah, so another. Gary from Cork, renting about 50 years, um, has been evicted twice in three years, and has nowhere to go within the less within less than six weeks. Yeah, you're also calling on the government to pause the lifting of this. Unfortunately, Siobhan, they won't. Well, it it, it looks like they might narrowly um, win the vote tonight, but. So yeah, I mean that's that, that is a case. But now we still have ten days to go. Um, they're they've been brought to the to the kind of the edge on this. Um, there has been a kind of a, a very focused and kind of building campaign. So there might be like they, there might be things happening over the next ten days that mm. might actually mean that people can stay in their home. But I, I wouldn't be making kind of promises or anything. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you know, but but this is a bigger problem. Just the eviction ban like you know what we've been saying is that there's there are more vacant homes than people who need them in the country that could easily be used for people who need who, who need place to, to live and there, are, um, there are grants in place now to to get to to do up those places that i was listening to a chartered surveyor this morning on national radio and he was saying even with his own experience getting that grant and putting the package together and getting the support needed was difficult, and there's a person who works for a living with this kind of thing. Yeah, they're, they're, that's the case. I heard the same thing, um, and that's that's the case. But there are solutions here. Like local authorities have budgets and could be given a lot more money, and also have in de- the independent kind of power to raise money um, to, to buy homes. Why can't they buy uh, they, a lot of those derelict places and do them up? Yeah. There is this kind of forced refusal clause being thrown around as well that if we're, if I'm selling the house then the tenant has the forced refusal to buy it. But the chances of that tenant actually having a deposit and access to a mortgage that, yeah. They're living in dreamland on that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it might work for a tiny percentage of people. But like, I think what we know is that it's not one thing that's going to solve this problem. It's going to be a, a, a kind of a menu of actions. But what actually is needed more than anything else is political leadership. We need brave politicians who are prepared to put their back into it, to kind of put implementing these solutions fast. And that is what we haven't had yeah. up until now. Nothing that, moves quickly in this country. Sure. Nothing. Well, well, actually, uh, it does move quickly when there is political leadership on it. Look what we did during COVID. Yes, Look, you know, we, we, we are perfectly capable um, of moving quickly if there's enough political will. And I think what we are seeing now is a tsunami of people across the country coming together. I mean, the eviction map is one way of kind of communicating that, that uh, are, are going to be piling the pressure on TDs ahead of the election kind of cycle over the next two years, saying that this is the top issue that we want you to prioritise. So we have to t- hold our feet to the fire. Yeah. 
Yeah. They'll tell you, because they are doing, they'll tell you that it'll make matters worse. As in, keeping keeping it in place would make matters worse because landlords are leaving the field in droves and and all of that. What what would you think? Is there any sense to that argument? You know, it is complex. Some landlords may be leaving the marketplace um, but what we can see from the stories that have been uploaded yes. is that lifting the, the eviction ban is going to accelerate them leaving and it's going to accelerate homelessness. Like, this is not perfect solution. Nobody is pretending that it is. But it does put a break on evictions, even for a few months, while they do come up with other uh, measures and safeguards and ways of of keeping people um, uh, with a roof over their head. Some of the safeguards, this this counter motion of theirs, wasn't even a motion; it was an essay, it was two something like two and a half thousand words of a thing, and and there are ideas in it, and there are suggestions in it. But and you're right, and I during COVID. Stuff was thought of on a Monday and done on a Wednesday, so we can do it if we want to. We can absolutely do with what we if we want to, and the 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 trauma and the suffering and the hardship and the devastating lifelong effects of being evicted from your home, as on children in particular, is going to cost an awful lot more than what it would mean to keep people in their homes over the next number of months. Do you still hold out hope, like you mentioned, 10 days to go, do you still hold out hope that somebody might force the government's hand to keep it in place for a while? I'm a realist, but I also know, and this is from experience, that when they're under enough pressure, they respond. They have done U-turns on plenty of policies and decisions over the years, why not this? Okay, all right. And Siobhan, thank you. That's uh, Siobhan O'Donoghue from uplift.ie. You'll be able to find that eviction map and the stories on it are heartbreaking stuff. But keep coming back to this. Uh, dawned on me yesterday, dawned on me many times, when they tell you something can't be done or when they tell you something will take time or when they tell you something's not realistic or simplistic, you know that great line you get from the establishment, oh, it's not as simple as that. It was during COVID. We were able to move mountains. We could think of something on a Monday and have it done for Wednesday. Close the business. Because we needed to. Because it was politically expedient to do it at the time. So we have a housing emergency. No one denies it. And this eviction ban, and I'm not taking the political side here, but everyone connected to... I've not heard one person connected to a- easing the plight of our homeless. Not one person connected to that who said lifting the eviction ban is a good idea. Not one. PJ, what this girl is saying is the truth. This is uh, Katie. My daughter's on the list 12 years. She got an evicted eviction notice last year. She must now get out on the 1st of April. City Hall are giving her the runaround. It's terrible. City Council have sent out some letters to tenants about a rent review. That's from Michelle, and we're getting other people telling us that. First of all, it's not the renters' homes. They don't own the property. The properties belong to the landlords, and they have property rights as owners and can do as they please. 
with their properties. Of course they can. That's part of the problem here. You, we've got massive property rights drilled into our constitution. That's true. And if I do own a property, it's my property to do with as I please. But why would I throw a family out? That's, you know, but you're right. It's, it's, they do not own the property. The property belongs to landlords. They have property rights as owners and can do with. Of course they can do as they please. That's true. It doesn't make it right, though. The eviction ban is unconstitutional and it's 100% wrong, says Pat. That's part of the same comment. It's not unconstitutional, Pat. It's not unconstitutional. If it was unconstitutional, they wouldn't be able to do it in the first place. Extending it could be difficult constitutionally. They've been told that by the Attorney General. Trying to put it in place indefinitely could be constitutionally difficult. But it doesn't make it unconstitutional, and I don't see why it's 100% wrong. Because if you're saying it's 100% wrong, Pat, what is your alternative? 0818969696. And by the way, I say the very same to any politician who says it's wrong. What is your alternative? The government has it in its gift to keep this thing in place for an extra few months. But that's all. The only people with power here are the government. They're the ones who make these decisions, aren't they? 0818969696. I just, do you know what I'm, I'm, I feel at this stage? We're coming into spring into mid-spring, April and May, May being probably my favourite month of the year in Ireland. And I look at sunny mornings and birds singing and beautiful sunrises and all of that and all the things that go with that. And I'm thinking about the people we will talk to on the opinion line over the next few months whose lives and hearts are broken by what's about to happen to them over the next few weeks. That's, to me anyway, unconscionable. 0818969696. Now you can talk about housing and you can talk about anything else you want. Um, there's another bad word that we should never use in Cork. There's, it's a bad word. It's, it's a terribly bad word. But I'm going to use it in a minute as soon as I've got John on the line. Wish to goodness someone would tell the truth. We never or rarely get told how many of the houses built when they give out are social houses, for example. It's easier to spin if you don't break down the numbers. Uh, and PJ, are you going to solve the whole thing? Try your best anyway. No, I'm not. Whoever gave you that impression that I wanted or was able or would have the intelligence to solve it. No, I'm not. But that's why I elect. That's why I pay my taxes. That's why I pay massive salaries to people in high places paid for out of the public purse, like my taxes. They're the ones who are supposed to have the brains. They're the ones who are supposed to have the ideas. They're the ones who are supposed to have the smarts. They're the ones who are supposed to do it. And all they tell us is it's not as simple as that. Do you know? Of course I'm not going to solve that. I have ideas what I'd do if I was given the chance. If I was given the chance, I would surround myself with the Peter McVerries and the Paul Sheehans of this world. I would, you, if I were Taoiseach tomorrow, here's what I'd do tomorrow, if I were Taoiseach, right? Taoiseach has the power to appoint 
ministers directly, his or herself. So you can appoint someone a senator and then appoint them a minister. I would appoint Peter McVerry, Minister for Housing in the morning, and say to him, there's money there. Do what needs to be done. Come to us, we'll make it happen. Do you know? I'm getting increasingly frustrated with it, and every morning I put my feet out of my bed, and I put my feet on, my fl- on the floor of my bedroom, and I think, this is my place. I've only a few years left in mortgage. No one can take it from me. How lucky am I? And I think every passing day, every passing day of this year of our Lord, 2023, I think to myself, I am so lucky. My family is so lucky that when I go home and close the door, that's my door and my home and no one can take it from me. And that's what resonates with me when I'm talking to people every day. Is that enough for you? Premier League back this weekend. Premier League Live. It t- I guess it takes a break this weekend. Of course, there's an international weekend coming up. And back Saturday, April 1st, powered by Talk Sport. Trevor back then with the action from the Premier League live games, big match interviews and much more. So back on the 1st of April, the Premier League Live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen, returning on the app and at 96fm.ie. I wish to goodness someone would tell... Here's one. You always hear most of the politicians are landlords themselves and that is true. There's a proportion of them, yes. Not all of them now. What they don't say is how many are involved in other businesses be it finance, building supply, development. There's a massive list of interests that benefit from r- the rising house prices and from shortages. There should be some kind of oversight commi- oversight committee or some ban in it. It should be taken into account of. Well, every politician is supposed to declare their interests when they become elected. It's it's the law. They have to tell the Oireachtas what they're involved in and, and what they do and what they have and what they own and properties and all of that. Um, so they are supposed to clear directorships and but there's no oversight. You're, there's no oversight, you know. Oh, you just get so frustrated with it all, don't you really? 96FM. John Dolan, how dare you mention the event, the event centre in all of the middle of all of this? <laughs> like, if I mean, those are two words we do not say, but you insist on saying them. <laughs> but you're right. I know. Hi, PJ. Listen, uh, good, good morning, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, look, your listeners, our readers at the Echo. Um, we know they've heard it so many times. It's over seven years since it was promised. But I actually genuinely thought. I think I found a, a different way into this whole debate um, in my column on Saturday, and that was by comparing the capacity 
of all of the big places in Dublin and comparing it to the ones we have in Cork at the moment yes, and just projecting that. to say, look, yeah, and say, look, these are some of the acts that we could have had in Cork at the moment, in the coming months, if we had the event centre, if we had the 6,000-seater event centre, because the commercialisation of it, the, the, the big books for the acts would, would lure them down here. You know, we're talking about Lizzo. We're talking about Peter Kay. You know, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, Pet Shop Boys and, and Iron Maiden. Some of the, some really big acts that wouldn't come to court normally unless they were snapped up by the marquee or, you know, they, they played Musgrave Park, which are obviously seasonal um, venues anyway. So, yeah, I, I was just projecting the fact that, look, you know, if we had this event centre, we would have so much more on our doorstep you know we would have so many of these big names big acts the comedians the singers the groups um and and it's just another reminder that this seven years it's you know it's gone well beyond a joke we know that but there's actually something tangible there that we could have um and we just don't have it at the moment there are seven venues in dublin seven that have more capacity than our largest which is the opera house um and and it's all to do with the fact that if we had the event center it would suddenly become the third biggest yeah. the third biggest entertainment venue in the country. In the country. Um, and it would bring all of these people down. You know, it would bring the Lizzo's down. It would bring the Peter K's down. We wouldn't have to all, everyone in Munster and, and the West of Ireland wouldn't have to all ship off to Dublin for the for, for the night or the weekend to watch an act, you know. You did your comparison. You said the Opera House currently is our largest, 904. Mm. It can seat. The event centre, proposed event centre, 6,000. The mm. three arena all seated is 8,000. So you'd have an mm. arena that could compete. And like you say, Lizzo did the three arena and Duran Duran yep. are doing the three arena. And Duran Duran, yeah. John Fogarty is doing the three arena. You could see them coming to the event centre if we had it. But they've been talking about it since forever. I'm almost giving up on it, John. <laughs> I know. We did have a story recently now that they are hoping now, look, you know, I know, let, let's get our cynical heads on again here, PJ, but they did say that they're hopeful for the second quarter of this year and the City Council were talking about the third quarter of this year when work could begin, hopefully. And if it does begin, then we're looking at the middle of 2025 when, you know, we suddenly become this really attractive proposition for all the promoters out there. Because 6,000 seats, PJ, if, if you charge 50 quid a ticket for 6,000 seats, you've grossed 300 grand. Mark, he is you know, fine, and, John. You know, that's, it speaks for itself. Yeah, absolutely. So you can understand why the big acts would come here then. You know, it's yeah. obviously plus merchandise, which is a huge revenue spinner for these people as well, the likes of Lizzo, you know. So, yeah, it's it, it's just there and it's tangible. I think when we compare the acts that we're missing out on because of this this constant delay to this event centre, it really hits home to me. You know, how you could you could get the bus, you know, and get a, get a curry and it would be great for the economy of the city, wouldn't it? 6,000 people, you know, the hotels... Yeah shops, restaurants, bars. Do you know the thing is, people said exactly this seven years ago and we still haven't got it. We had the first sod, we haven't yet had the second. Well, John, thank you. John Dolan of The Echo. You'll find his column on their website or indeed you've got Saturday's one lying around the house. You'll find it there too. That's it. Programme edited by Imra Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.